You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome once again to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the US of A, and with me in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm fine, Bill. How are you? Doing all right. I had a big snowstorm here, lost power all day, came back on at 3.17 or uh, p.m., so it was just, it was 13 hours it, went, it was out, so I had to work at Starbucks and then McDonald's and at the shower at the gym. It was a disaster, but everything's good now, though I did lose power five minutes ago, so hopefully it won't happen again, and uh, we can finish the recording. And with that, uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you? Good. Excellent. Mike, did you have the snowstorm too? Since I know you're uh, in the same kind of northeast as I am. It was, it didn't stick, but yeah, we had snow. Yeah, there was a lot of people uh, that I work with and Barrett works with that uh, live in New England or the northeast, and they were okay. It was just me. I wonder if Sue knits that. I didn't talk to her, but she's up in New Hampshire too. Anyway, um, uh, who are we? Uh, Holly Boutique Psychotronic Reviews is part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. It is a news network that uh, hosts a lot of podcasts, talks about genre of news and such. Uh, basically, uh, we do have an email, which is darkdiscussions at AOL.com, or you can go to www.darkdiscussions.com and press the contact us link on the menu and that opens up an email box too so there's two ways to email us uh you can also uh join patreon which is uh, uh dark discussions uh actually patreon.com backslash dark discussions or just press the patreon button on any page of the dark discussions news network website uh basically for every five dollars that you donate to the podcast you can uh, pick a film for us to uh do as an episode uh basically what happens since we do have a handful of folks that donate we can't do everybody's choice but what we do is if for example if you uh donate 15 dollars a month you get a choice three films so you could choose uh scream friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street or you could just choose nightmare on elm street three times because again you have three choices and we put those in a spreadsheet and then uh we use a computer randomizer at the end of each quarter to pick um, a episode uh, to do based off of the list that we have. So uh, all donations are appreciated because we do uh, do this all for free. Any money that we, we get is pretty much to just pay for 
the hosting fees for the podcast and the website and things like that. Um, so that's pretty much all we got there. Um, so uh, any other items that we want to talk about uh, that aren't related to our topic tonight, we will talk about at the end of the podcast, uh, such as news or what we've been watching. Though uh, A lot of that we save for our other podcast, uh, which is uh, the Dark Discussions podcast. And uh, for folks who are curious about this podcast, you can find it at two places. You can find it uh, at the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews podcast feed, wherever podcasts are found. Or you could subscribe to Dark Discussions podcast, which will include this podcast as well as uh, the other podcast that your co-hosts that you hear on this podcast do, uh, which is also the Dark Discussions podcast and uh, the Rise of the Cordyceps podcast, which is a Last of Us HBO Max podcast that we do. Um, and one other thing is uh, you can also get it off of the, the website, darkdiscussions.com website. Uh, one other thing is, is that we are recording this January 23rd, 2023, for some of our listeners who are always curious when we record things, such as Pam, who always wants to know, because sometimes these episodes are not released immediately. Though this episode will probably be released pretty quick because it is timely based off of uh, – uh, the topic we are discussing tonight. So that's pretty much all I got. Um, so I guess we can probably get into our topic tonight. So, uh, uh, Barrett, uh, what are we going to be discussing tonight? We are going to be discussing the movie Avatar Way of the Water, the sequel to the original Avatar movie. All right, sounds good. So uh, let's listen to the trailer.
So, yes, Avatar The Way of Water, also known as Avatar 2, a 2022 epic science fiction uh, film that was released at the end of 2022, Q4. Uh, the film is directed by some guy that I've never heard of named James Cameron. Uh, that's a joke. <laughs> uh, and it was written by James Cameron, Rick Jaffa, and Amanda Silver. Uh, the film stars Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang, and even Kate Winslet, believe it or not. I don't even know what she played. But a lot of these uh, actors are um, what we call um, voiced voices of uh, avatars because uh, this is uh, – well, I'm sure everybody knows because it's a pretty famous film. Uh, the cinematography is by Russell Carpenter. Music by Simon Franklin. Uh, 20th Century Studios uh, released it, which means uh, Disney Company. Uh, running time is an hour and 92 minutes, so fairly long film. It has just uh, become the sixth week in a row that it is uh, the top's number one film at the box office. Uh, there was rumors that Megan had passed at one point, but uh, that, that did not happen, I guess. Um, $2 billion. Uh, it's a huge uh, blockbuster. Uh, it was made for for anywhere between 350 to $460 million, so it's quadrupled that. And it is um, part of a franchise because they already have a, a third, fourth, fifth uh, coming out. And though James Cameron, um, I believe, is in his late 60s or early 70s, uh, we're assuming that uh, he'll direct all of them unless something uh, unfortunate happens. Um, that's pretty much all the information I got here. Uh, but it is a sequel to a 2009 film. So I guess we can get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. So uh, let's start with you, Barrett. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this film a lot. I thought it was it's technically one of the most amazing movies that I've seen. Um, just all of the all of the movie and the way it's crafted is just amazing, especially with the 3D. Um, I don't think you get the full effect unless you do see it in 3D. Uh, I was never bored, um, even in the moments where there's no action. All of the visuals keep you fairly busy in your mind. Um, it's not a perfect film, uh, but it is very entertaining. Uh, there's a few quibbles I have with it. Um, but all in all, it's definitely an enjoyable movie. It co- probably could be cut down a little bit. Um, it's over three hours in length. Um, and most of the acting's pretty good. Um, Sam Worthington's not my favorite actor, but... He does an okay job in this, uh, and the rest are really good. That's pretty much it. All right, sounds good. Uh, yes, for me, um, how I heard about this film, um, because I'm alive, but <laughs> um, I didn't actually know it was even coming out in December. Uh, it was total fluke. Uh, basically, what happened was um, I saw brought my girls to see Jaws, and IMAX uh, because it um, was re-released over the summer and uh, my my daughters uh, seven and nine year old uh, at the time were six and eight years old um, at the end of last summer early fall uh, we went to see Jaws and 
Then uh, in front of Jaws, there was an ad to see Avatar because Avatar was being re-released at theaters uh, in, I think, September of 2022. So uh, at the end of Jaws, uh, and actually probably during the trailer, uh, my girl said, oh, we got to see that film. I said, yeah, it's a really good film. You'll, we'll do it. So I took them to see that in September on IMAX in 3D. And then uh, there, there was a thing that said uh, Avatar 2, our way of water, was coming out in December. And that's how I heard that the film was coming out because I had no idea. I knew it was coming. I, I knew that he was working on three or four sequels, but I, I had no idea where he was in the process. And then suddenly in September, they were saying the new one's coming out in December. I was like, oh, all right, that sounds cool. So uh, I brought my daughters on technically opening night. So Nowadays, films open up on Thursdays, uh, but we, uh, we meaning me and my daughters, we went to see it on Friday, um, the the real opening day uh, or the traditional opening day. Um, and uh, I was with Barrett. I, I thought it was uh, f- uh, fantastic visually, a uh, really well made film. Uh, it was exciting. Kept my my entertainment the entire time. Um, I wasn't bored once. Uh, my daughters enjoyed it, even though at some point they were scared, especially my oldest, because she's always scared of, um, like scary scenes, like the violence, I guess. Um, because again, this is an action film and, uh, yeah, I, I liked it a whole lot. Uh, it was a really good film and a high recommend by me. Um, so uh, that was my thoughts on the film. Uh, Mike, what do you got? How did you hear about this film, and what did you think? A uh, multi-million-dollar advertising campaign. Uh, the fact that they've been making it, quote unquote, since like 2011. Um, Cameron has been talking about this. First one came out what? 2010? Uh, 2009. The end of 2009. 2009. Okay. So. Uh, ironically, didn't was not in development as long as uh, the Rock's Black Adam movie, but um, it did much better. So, uh, yeah, it's um, I have mixed feelings. I think Cameron is still, for the most part, a great storyteller. You give him a story, he tells it well. He knows how to edit. Ironically, given the three-hour and something length film. Meaning, but he, by which I mean, though, not that he keeps the story condensed, but he knows how to keep a story moving. Um, he knows how to do action scenes very well, and he stages the 3D better than anyone. He thinks it through, I think, in a way other filmmakers just don't. I think with a lot of 3D films, it's done as an afterthought, where he seems to, or they just focus on certain scenes put in 3D. And I think he really sees every shot through that lens of how to use that 3D camera. That said, I think this was an, the script was terrible. Um, it, it just, it just felt in addition to the heavy handedness and the cliches, um, and formulaic nature of it, that you had problems with the first one. I think they didn't have any real character arcs for the most of the characters. And there was a, for a film that was three hours and something minutes long, there was a 
subplot that took up, I would say, 20 to 30 minutes worth of time that really had no impact on the story whatsoever that they could have just excised completely. Um, there was another one that probably took a lot less time, but again, it existed just so they could pay it off in the next film or the film after that. Um, and yeah, it has kind of sort of a payoff here, but it's not really, to me, it wasn't a big payoff. It was sort of a, oh, let's find something for this character to do payoff. Does that make any sense? It makes yeah, sense. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to hear which character you think that of. <laughs> oh, uh, Jesus. It was Jesus. Um, ah, okay. <laughs> That's what I thought. So, yeah. <laughs> which, if you haven't seen the film, won't make any sense. If you've seen the film, you know you should know who the Jesus character is. But, um, yeah, so that that's how I felt. And so I have kind of mixed feelings about it. Uh, and I said I was skeptical about the film to begin with because it has been 10 years and or 13 years and nobody has talked about Avatar after that movie left theaters, except maybe to make fun of it a bit or to talk about how nobody talks about it. And I still don't hear anybody really talking about Avatar now. I don't see like a bunch of Avatar memes. You know, things like I can point to a whole lot of films that have been out the last few years where people keep talking about it after it's done, after they've gone seeing it. I mean, even Top Gun, I felt like I heard a lot more buzz about it. Here, I'm not hearing it, but clearly people are still going to see it. Right? I, yeah, it's, there's, there's, I don't believe that it's... It's interesting. I agree. Yeah, I don't think there's some grand conspiracy to hide... You know, like, to, like they're lying about the numbers you know it's they're, they're obviously going to see it but i don't see anyone discussing it i don't see anyone like like really raving about it i don't see like kids demanding the avatar toys or something i, I don't know um i don't but, even know if there are avatar toys are there well, Le- lego lego has a line lego. i'm not sure how well it's selling but um, but there's, there's no action figures is there they have minifigs well the so lego like this- minifigs but yeah i don't think there's a toy line in stores no, there's so they, no, yeah. Exactly. So there's no, like, like, like Star Wars toy line, you know, like they have the little six inch figures or the 10 inch figures, like the Marvel characters or anything, nothing like that, right? I haven't That's seen it. I know but, of. Yeah, no, but of. A, lot of the, a lot of that is going towards Lego, especially with Disney, so. Right. And I saw a review of the some of the Lego sets, and there was, like, everything is going up in price, but, and Lego's always been expensive. Oh, always. Yeah. Um, but I, it, it sounded like they were paying a premium for. That's this the license. problem. Yeah, with IP, yeah, they're paying. Like I got one. Oh, of so so you, so Lego could be paying extra to have them pr- not make six or eight inch or ten inch or twelve inch action figures, maybe. Well, they don't pay right. to not have them, but they pay more for the IP ones than the ones they own themselves. So part right. of what they, you know, when they put the prices out there. You're yeah. paying the premium for the Avatar stuff versus, say, their right. own stuff. Right. Plus, right. plus the, the odd thing that there is nothing else out there, you know. Right. Like it's a little, yeah. it's a little hard, hard to tell with some toys, but Lego is a lot easier. In other words, like, say Hasbro, Hasbro makes GI Joe, right? That's their own brand. They own it. They make six-inch GI Joe action figures for twenty-five dollars, and you get a six-inch GI Joe figure. $25 and whatever it is and whatever it comes with. And then right. they, they also used to make, they used to make, Wars. Star, they used to make the, uh, the one foot ones. Remember we used to have the 12 inch. Oh yeah. Way kids. back in the day. Those but they the also best. do do star Wars and Marvel six inch action figures also for $25. Some Man, exceptions. 
and you can put them next to each other, but then you could get it sort of a subjective argument is like, are you getting a value, better value from one over the other? Because they have to pay royalties to um, to Disney for the Marvel and uh, Star Wars characters, but they I don't have to do that for G.I. Joe because they own G.I. Joe. But All Lego, right. it's very easy. You just look at the box, see how many pieces are in the box, and like div- divide it up. How much am I paying per piece? That's exactly right, every how they box figured is a little out. Different. Yep. Each one has a different number of pieces <laughs> in it. The prices are often different per box, although within a certain parameter. And so the and the Lego nuts, you know, whatever the Lego collectors are called, I don't know if they have a a thing. Um, they, they can look at it and they go, okay, this is $50 for this many pieces. Well, for $50, I got this many pieces. Or there was this box for $40 that had the same number of pieces as this $50 avatar box and they can set now there are also other variables involved how many pieces are unique right because avatar is so weird right you have to you know it's not like they have existing pieces that would work for uh giant blue space whales or something but um uh it's still yeah they're definitely it's like noticeable the license hit is very very noticeable there because you can do that easy comparison yeah But yeah, anyway, yeah, so I haven't seen I, definitely I the only toys figures. I know. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll probably talk about some of that stuff. There is a, in the, the a video game supposed section. to be coming out, but I don't know when that's supposed to hit. Yeah, isn't it supposed to be based off the 3D that he did? Like, I mean, the technology to make it better or something? But I have no idea. It could be vi- virtual reality, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, the VR glasses or whatever you call that stuff. But anyway, Mike, uh, we'll, we'll get into some of that stuff in a moment. So uh, continue your. your Commentary and, and review, I guess. No, so that was, so no, I said what I said. I can't get into too much more until I we get into more details. But it's just really, I just thought it was a, a bad script, but a well told bad version of that. And if you're going <laughs> talking about just popcorn entertainment in the theater, it it works. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. Um, all right, so um, Barrett, uh, do we have a wiki or IMDb? We do. Uh oh, he's not prepared. I Uh-oh. was. I have the. I have. I have the wiki open, but not the IMDb. <laughs> uh oh. Always forget about that one. All right, you ready? Uh, here we go. Yep, let's go. Uh, Jake Sully lives with his newfound family formed on the extrasolar moon Pandora. Once a familiar threat returns to finish what was previously started, Jake must work with Natiri and the army of the Navi race to protect their home all right that sounds good doesn't tell too much but it tells a bit um <laughs> yeah so uh how do we do it here on the halloween boutique psychotronic reviews podcast uh, basically we we have uh, two sections uh or three sections really which is the our specific individual reviews as, as we just did that's the first section the second section is the unspoilable section so we'll talk about things that are re- generally related to the, the movie uh, or James Cameron or the the, um, the stuff that people are talking about online, assuming that there is stuff because Mike mentioned he didn't, hasn't seen it as much as some films or the negative stuff, too, because we do have some folks trying to say that uh, the, the film's racist. And and also uh, <laughs> against against uh, and it's also ableism, you know, and, and whatever. But uh, that's 
part of the stuff. So, you know, just general stuff related to the movie and the series and the characters and, and maybe the actors behind the, the voices and whatnot. And then at a certain point, we'll throw up a spoiler alert. And then at that point, we will talk about everything and anything related to the movie, because uh, generally what we do here on Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews is not just review films. We also critique and dissect uh, what the writers and the actors and the screenwriters and the producers are all trying to say, how it relates to maybe symbolism in the modern world or, or our world or, or just people or things in general. Uh, and then that's where we'll talk about spoilers because obviously to do that type of dissection and critiquing, uh, we, we have to talk about specifics, including even uh, twists and the ending. Uh, so uh, we will throw that up later, but at this point we can talk about general stuff and um, where do we want to start? I did mention a few hot topics such as uh, the ableism slash racism that people are claiming uh on james cameron we have the uh the toy stuff that we can and and marketing and 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 even the disney world uh world meaning uh the the region of their park that, that they've made that's related to this movie uh and there's sequels coming out there's a uh, the third sequel barrett has mentioned in, in prior podcasts that it was filmed along with the, the second so that one may actually probably come out pretty quick, meaning 2024, possibly, who knows. Uh, where do we want to go? What, what, what do people want to bring up? Anyone? Maybe we can start with the ableism one if you want to get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So basically, uh, we mentioned the, the, the Jake Sully character. Um, he is a veteran of, of war that has become disabled. And he is chose to uh, take the life of the the blue Nami characters on this this moon because um, probably for a number of reasons, but but one of the the issues that some people call the film ableism. And for folks who don't know that term, because it is a weird term, I, I didn't even know. I had to look it up today. Um, it's basically um, I get I don't want to say discrimination, but 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 uh, poo-pooing or ignoring disabled people as uh, people, uh, you know, basically saying that they're not as worthy or, or good as people who may not have a disability. And that includes both physical and mental disabilities. Um, and because Jake Sully's character was in a wheelchair as a human form, for him to give that human form up and become a NAMI, where they do, um, or where his character, I should say, his avatar, is able to uh, have the ability to walk again. He isn't in a wheelchair. Uh, people have claimed that this film may be ableism because they're trying to say that, or James Cameron, I should say, is specifically trying to say that uh, being uh, a person that isn't in a wheelchair is better than one who is not. Okay, so I think this kind of goes in tandem with the Native American motif that people are having problems with as well. I mean, it's just people can't let a story be a story anymore. You can't have someone that overcomes a disability by getting healed of it. They have to stay disabled. Um, you know, I don't know. It's just this stuff drives me crazy. I don't understand. Yeah, write your, uh, write your own movie if you want that to be in your movie. But this is his story that he wrote. You can't just write a story and have it be your story anymore. Everybody thinks they own it. 
and and also at what point it, do they make him not a real person? I understand the idea of ableism of people who have uh, whatever the phrase is, uh, whether it's disabled, handicapped, differently abled. I don't give a shit. Um, what they're gonna what you call yourself? Someone whose body is not functioning the way we would consider to be normal. Um, something is 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 malfunctioning or is just not working. Um, first of all, most people in that condition don't wish for it, didn't want it, and would not, and would get rid of it if they possibly could, right? If you ask Stevie Wonder, would you like to be able to see? I'm pretty sure he'd say, "Fuck yeah," right? I think Marley Matlin wanted to be uh, to to be able to hear. I think she'd say yes. Well, there um, is there is some. I'm just going to interject a little bit of disagreement there because there are cochlear implants, and there's some disagreement on whether that is a good thing or not. Um, so it's not in all cases that they would necessarily, I mean, well, they'd probably take, you know, regular hearing over that, but a lot of people wouldn't take the cochlear implant because they don't think it's right. Uh, well, uh, well, I'm aware, I, I, but I think, I think, yeah. I think let, me, let me just interject for one second, Mike, before you pick it up. I, I, I say if, if I'm not mistaken, Mike may be meaning if people were chosen, were born before they were born and they could choose a certain thing i think mike is implying and i would concur with you mike that everybody would say i would want all my functions to be working as the dna had planned so i think that's what mike means not that when when christopher reeve fell off a horse and became quadriplegic people as far as i know weren't thinking of him as less of a human being but absolutely no one was saying you know, celebrating that he's now moved on to a new phase of his life where he right. can be just as right. wonderful. It, it, it actually, he unfortunately, it actually, unfortunately, ended his life. Right, Eventually, earlier yes. than it would have. Yes. yes, and he probably lived so, longer than he would have if he hadn't had so much money. And more importantly, you're true. talking yeah. about um, a small part of this film where the whole point is that they're trying to bribe someone right into doing a thing that they maybe don't want to do or they may not have done otherwise right that's kind of the point in the first film yeah. is that he is uh someone who his brother they who had a twin brother they made the avatar for him and he's a soldier and the brother have been like uh, i guess a scientist and they basically wanted to get a guy who was going to be a fish out of water completely. He did. He was an outsider to the community on on um, Pandora. He was also going to be an outsider to the human community, and he was also going to be an outsider to the to, to the Navi. Navi. Yeah. Navi. And well, how do you get a character like that there? So they went with. And by the way, use it for part of their commentary uh, about um, the state of the Earth at the time, where. He doesn't. Where if you had the money, you could he could get a new set of legs, but he didn't, right? But if he came and did this, he can get. He, they would give him a new pair of legs, and he could get his old life back. And this is a guy who was a soldier who had been in the field, and you know he was no longer able to do what he did before because of that. And and I'm sorry, but if you uh, 
think that someone in a wheelchair can go out in the middle of the field carrying <laughs> carrying weapons and, and be able to perform on a battlefield in the same way, you're wrong. Yes, you can certainly do things like fly a drone or, 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 or do intelligence and also analysis and all sorts of other things in the military that don't require you to use your legs. That's not who the character is. It's not what the, what the character wants. Um, so that was used. It was a small part of the story just to get that character into that sort of fish out of water scenario. And that was it. They weren't making any grand statement. This is people who just cannot see past their own specific agendas. Yes, there needs to be. And I certainly applaud seeing more people uh, with disabilities in TV and movies, people who look like real people in these things, and they should get more exposure. Absolutely. Again, that's not this story. And let's keep it right, real and believable. Right. And it's um, not it's not your story either. You know what I mean? It's not you're not writing it. Go write your own story if that's what you want. Yeah, and, right. and, and also also the character falls in love with uh, a character of another species. And you know we're not going to have the Hobbit where we have an elf and a a dwarf falling in love or, a, or whatever it was. And that that's stupid side plot. It it, it yeah. was you know I mean. In re- <laughs> Uh, you know, so so the point is, is that it's not just your mind, uh, especially in intelligent beings that are completely different that can't have sexual relations unless they're of the same species. He obviously fell in love with someone, and and that was important to him as well. You know, so why would he want to go back to being a human, whether he was in a wheelchair or not? Right. Well, so, but anyway, continue, Mike. I just think it's it's the camera the benefit that the uh, the Navi were blue cat people and weren't like cockroach people, right? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. That's that's a fair point too. Yeah, yeah. um, you know, it just uh, that that that's a whole other issue, and um, yeah, it's well, it's weird. And 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 yeah, so that's one thing. The other one, as Barrett brought up, said he said it, it kind of is hand in hand. Um, is, you know, we have people saying that no white actors should be playing the blue Navi and that they are also, it's also racist to show whatever they're trying to imply. But, but the thing is, is that, you know, it's only been recent where ethnic and race and even, um, gender, specifically transgender, has was is become important to play certain characters because back in the day, you know, you could have uh, a black guy playing a white cartoon character or a white guy playing a black cartoon character. Nowadays, you can't do that, uh, and you'll be considered racist. And then, and, and you know, well, and then films they're where they're blue. Well, it not only they're yeah, blue cat so, people. So if they take on the form of the society of a, of something that exists in reality, now it has to be played by those people as well. I mean, it's just and it <laughs> where really do we does, where do we it, end? And and, and well, again, to me, that that's just an that opinion, was, right? Because these are space aliens, not well. And everything is folk. out of human experience, so anything yeah. we create is going to be things we've experienced, most likely, at least influenced it by it at the minimum. Right. Well, to me, this is a, this is akin to um, that argument. It, it's to me like when Disney remade The Lion King in live action, uh, and they they brought back James Earl Jones for Mufasa, but they didn't bring back 
Jeremy Irons as Scar because what they did is they decided since it's set in Africa, all the voice actors were going to be African or of African descent. Which and and, and that's specifically black African, not Arab African or right or, yeah, or sub, sub-Saharan yeah. African black African. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like well because we're not. I understand if you were well, which by the way I think that's kind of one of the benefits of voice acting, but is that you can literally be anybody, but um, they're animals, right? They're right. animals. There is nothing black about a lion. There is nothing black about a warthog. There is nothing black about a mongoose. And if you made some rule that only black people could play animals in cartoons, believe me, people would say that was racist, too. <laughs> and it just is a weird weird thing that I mean it's not even like it was a, a, a cherished tribal legend right that they, right. they 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 got from the from the Zuni tribe or something no it's just it, it it's just it's just animals and here tender. it's space aliens right right and in this case it's space aliens they're blue space people there isn't even a, a continent on which to draw from are these supposed to be Finnish space people are they supposed to be <laughs> uh, Japanese space people are they supposed to be Polynesian space people I'm a right. little lost here and yes there are some parallels to Native Americans but there's but you could say there's parallels to to uh, indigenous folk of Indonesia or Papua New Guinea and they have yeah, aspects right. of aspects of cats. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and honestly, honestly, I don't even want to touch the whole furry thing because I just yeah, have a feeling if this yeah. was Quentin Tarantino's yeah. Avatar, that they would be a race of people with giant feet. <laughs> right. Well, and and you know we have you know Zoe uh, Saldana, who, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is a Latino. Uh, woman of yes which she is of of uh black ancestry or mixed ancestry and and she's playing one of the one of these folk so it's it's like maybe they just chose they had people come in for auditions and they said oh yeah these people are good and we know why some of these pet character people were picked he specifically said meaning james cameron specifically chose sam worthington because he wanted an, a, a really good unknown actor and that's why he was you know similar to like luke luke hamill and and, and uh i would disagree with part Henry, of that statement yeah i, I know you do, but you know what I'm, you know what i'm talking about <laughs> uh, you know harrison ford you know like like george lucas did but yep. the the but his character was supposed to be human anyway so he, technically he could have been anything right while the other characters i mean we same with with uh Sigourney Weaver, she was chosen because she was a, a human, and also James Cameron's good friends with her. He's worked with her many times. Um, he, he, you could argue he he made her career for you know because of Aliens. Uh, um, and then and then you know the other characters that play the 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 the, the um, Nani, the the one important one is Zoe uh, uh, Sandana's character. And and she you know she she was was a what we would, I guess we call a person of color so I, I I don't know what they're yeah I mean I think I think it's just people complaining right I mean you know we we, we yeah, and yeah. like I understand that there's the what they call the white savior trope and you know that, like the last samurai being a good example uh yeah, that's a really but, good example yeah where but I mean a lot of these some of these stories originated with um. 
you know, being written by white people for white people and at a time when the country was maybe 90% white, you know, so it's a thing. Um, but I, I get it, right? You're dangerous minds or you're whatever. It's the, the white teacher who comes into the, the black neighborhood, right? And, and to, to, to save the black kids. I understand why people find that patronizing. And I don't, I'm not going to argue that. You know, I think maybe they they could do a little less of that or a significant less amount of that. But there's always been um, it, this thing of the, the other, the person going to another culture uh, or another tribe or something like that and uh, and thriving and, and adopting their ways and seeing from their point of view um, – it's it's not a new thing, and it hasn't. Oh, now it's been a lot more racially obvious of late, but I don't think it's a brand new. I mean, look, Superman, and, and, right? I mean, and this is aliens too, right? This is aliens, Superman's right? aliens, but I'm too. saying, I mean, yeah. Superman was the same thing, right? It was a savior born from another planet, came, Jesus, right? God come down among men. You can come up with all sorts of examples of that of of somebody from the outside coming in, and yes, I get it when it's kind of if you might find it insulting when it's specifically dealing with issues of race. I got it. Uh, I'm not going to yeah. argue that. I'm not going to yeah. argue that you're that you're wrong about that because I'm not. I don't think you are. But this is blue people. They are blue right, people. Right. They right. are blue people with tails and fangs and pointy ears and fur, and it's just a little weird. And I mean, even my cats don't get upset about it. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, again, I'm not. It's it just sometimes, like you say, you have to. Just enjoy the damn story and don't be looking for arguments from for everything. Don't yeah, because not everything. There's much better arguments to have about this film than that. Right. Well, and, right. and, and it's, it's also so irresponsible. So it's freaking hard to deliver a message that I'm that that most people who are of the I'm going to say or of the persuasion would be sympathetic to those arguments will agree with. Right. Well, right? And I, th I think it's also, yeah, I would concur. But and I th also think it's also irresponsible to just call someone racist or bigot or whatever. Yeah, you know, to call James Cameron a racist or a bigot. And you know, I, I'm not any big fan of James Cameron because I don't, I don't know him or anything. I like some of his movies. He's not one of my favorite directors. But, but to just call the guy a, a bigot. I mean, I, I, I had a big fight once on our Dark Discussions podcast Facebook group where there was this woman that was a big member and she always was on it. And, and she, she got in fights with people on other groups and left those groups too. And she called the, the showrunners of Game of Thrones pedophiles because they had um, uh, Sansa's sister there. Uh, what was her name? Uh, Arya. Arya. Nude. In in the season, the last season, and first of all, you know, and and I argue saying, well, that's, I mean, you can't just toss that around to say someone's a pedophile, and and honestly, the actress is an adult, and the actress, uh, uh, even wrote a big, had big interviews about how she thought it was pretty cool to do it and all this, her nude scene or whatever, and. And this woman, you know, she just flipped out and, and whatever. And and there, there was a couple other arguments about Gina Carullo or whatever her name is and, and whether she's a trans. But, you know, and then there's J.K. Rowling. You know, you go on and on. And it's like you just can't throw stuff out like that. It, it's just I, I just don't agree with, with throwing out things like that. And, again, this is a space aliens. This is, has nothing to do with 
ethnic minorities or people of color or nation against nation. You know, it's just stupid. I, I don't get it. Yeah, it, I, I, th- I think it's even stu- I don't stupider think we need to get into. Yeah, yeah, we, we we just wanted to bring it up. I, you know, it's it's the elephant in the room. It's it's you know we didn't have to talk about it, but you know it, it is a no. fair point to bring up just for the fact that it's a talking point and whatever. Uh, anybody else want to continue the conversation? I mean, any anything else that we missed that you wanted to bring up about the ableism and the supposed racism of James Cameron? <laughs> no, you can't. There are so many rules. So many people want to impose on storytellers right now. And I'm not disagreeing with some of them, but you can't, like, forbid everything in every movie, in every TV show, in every book, in every game. You can't, because there's all sorts of people in this world. I mean, I see people complain about when the villains are bad people, right? Like, they complain about an author because their villain, the villain is misogynist, so the author must be misogynist, because that's how the... No, you know, just like... Like now there's sensitivity readers for for your books before you publish them so that you know that you're not offending anyone. I mean, it's just ridiculous these days. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, and I'm part of a lot of big writers groups and everyone talks about it. You're going to have to have a sensitivity reader. Oh, my God, <laughs> so, that's just terrible. Yeah, Jeez. there's so much self-editing going on before was, the fact. Yeah. I mean, you can write about uh, violence and rape and sexual assault and profanity, but beware when you talk about certain things that are related to, uh, um, I guess, the things we're talking about that James Cameron is being called out on. <laughs> so, right. Well, I mean, look, we, and if oh there's anything I, I've certainly learned in the – decade or so that we've been doing this podcast since there are things that people are more sensitive to than others right and by which i mean so you're doing a horror film some people are really turned off by rape some people are really turned off by violence against children some people are really turned off by violence towards animals and and i can respect that yeah i respect that but but that doesn't mean that they get to, to shout down anyone who has these things in their movie Right, you're right, not right. going to be able to tell I spit on your grave without a rape scene. Right. right. Now you can argue about how right. is it shot, how is it how is it filmed, and, and all of that, and is it you know is it too exploitative, and and that's a whole other matter. But you can't, you're never going to actually have a story where there's never not a story, but you can't ever tell us uh, just say there's never any rape in in, in movies ever. Right. You can't ever well, say that the dog books. is never going to die, that the children are never going to die. Yeah. I mean, Stephen King has has written uh, rape scenes uh, under the dome. There was one. It was like horrific. Oh yeah, like, yeah. that was a bad one. And then Big Driver as long was as another it's one. Yeah, yeah. You know, I so mean, is, is he got criticized because they had what looked seemed like a rape scene, and they tried to back away, saying, "Well, it wasn't really a rape scene." And it's what, like, well, what, what was this? Watching Which it, it was that? a rape scene. What was that? Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. When, that's yeah, yeah. And and it's like so either it was a rape scene and you're bullshitting about it, or you have a really incompetent director because the way he stayed in the sure shit looked like no, a rape scene. Oh, well, there, actually, there's two. There's a Sansa scene and then there's the Cersei scene. No, the Sansa scene was supposed to be a rape scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We all knew that. They was didn't a rape walk scene, back from but, that. But they're talking but about the, the Cersei. That was one. also the political reality of that time period, right? Um, right. A, a wife would not have had. The, well, we're, we're getting way off topic, and, and people. But anyway, but it. my point is, you can't just you can't just ban, or you can't just 
do this. You can't please everybody. And people just need to say, okay, this is not for me. And go to something else. Yep. It's not everything yep. is breaking to saves. Right, but what right. they do is, you know, it's... They, they try they to make everybody else that hate doubt the film in people's minds. So that way, before they greenlight a story, they go, are we going to hear from these people about this thing? Is this right, group right. going to protest because of this, that, or the other thing? Right, right. I, I mean, so, I, I had no idea that, that anybody would have, would have thought the Navi should be played by people of color because it's people of color culture. <laughs> so I, 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 that one was left field. Uh, the ableism, all right, fine, whatever. But, it, hey, but it's still I got, I got news for these folks. You go back far enough, every person of every color lived in a tribe not that different from that. Yeah, we could just watch the Northmen that movie, right. and, and you can yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah the, the, those poor Russian people. Oh my God, in that so, movie. And it's funny because I also, you know, I just had a short conversation with somebody on a, about a comic books, and we were talking about the the debate again about recasting Black Panther after Chadwick Boseman died, and um, a, a black gentleman said, you know, as a black kid growing up in the South, my favorite character was Superman. Who was this white character who lived in in the city, right? I'm sure. this black kid in the rural area. It's like right. I didn't give a shit that he wasn't black. And I right. replied to him and said, when I was six years old and I picked up an issue of Avengers number one sixty one, I was introduced to Black Panther and I fell in love with that character. And you know, Sam Wilson the Falcon was also always one of my favorite characters. It's like I understand the importance of representation, but I think it's great with the fact that we can identify with characters who don't necessarily look yeah, like exactly. us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like like and, She-Hulk and Wonder Woman are my favorite characters, and they're women. You know, my my favorite music artist is Taylor Swift, and she's a woman. You know, so, so right. it's like you you can identify with people that are a little different or a lot different than you, and and so. Yeah, because you because you are more than your physical traits. You are more than your disability. You are more than your skin color. You are more than your gender. You're more but than people your, are trying your, to say otherwise pride. nowadays, though, right? So, I'm just yeah. So just embrace that, right? Um, and, and look at that, and and just try to look at the story that he is telling. And is there anything really offensive at what he's telling? I think he's offensive in the degree to which he, in the the manner in which he talks to me like I'm a five year old. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. All right, so let's move on. Um, we, we, I think we're the three of us are on the same page. If anybody disagrees, they can email us or agrees, and or their own experiences of what they've seen on the internet. Dark discussions at aol dot com, and just type in Avatar as the subject, and we'll, we'll know it specifically for this episode, and we will read your uh, emails on the podcast in the next episode of Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Um, all right, so uh, let's get into some other stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I do like uh, – I did look up uh, Kate Winslet, and, yeah, she plays the wife of the, the chieftain of the, the water people. Um, and uh, it makes sense that she was cast because, again, James Cameron – is good friends with her. I mean, she, he made her career, you could argue, because of Titanic. So, so it, he he casts, he likes casting people. You know, like all directors, they work with the same folk. You know, Scorsese works with you know De Niro and and DiCaprio and Duvall and, and on and on and all that. You know how it works. So it makes sense. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Um, but and I didn't even know Kate Winslet was was one of the voices. Also, I didn't even know that the daughter was Sigourney Weaver. Until um, after the film, uh, even though there's a scene that 
kind of spills the beans. Um, Somehow they made her voice not quite sound like her. Um, yeah, sound, I, yeah, it sounded like a young woman, actually. Yeah, too. yeah. I don't know what they did. It seemed modified to me. I know Could she was been. in the movie yep. going in. I knew she was going to be in it. Yep. Um, and I kind of figured it out because there were a couple of moments in the film where she just like looks like Sigourney Weaver, like had her mannerisms, um, you know, and that's just from watching way too many viewings of Alien and Aliens and um, Ghostbusters, whatever. But it just you just pick up on some of those things. And I was looking for, it, I was, and I was wondering, like, wait, she's a clone of, or whatever. She's a, you know, I was wondering if it could have been her. Despite the age difference, and as I was looking, I was like, "Yeah, I was pretty sure." And then, you know, confirmed it in the in the credit sequence, in the post, yeah. in the, not the credit sequence, in the, in the, the just the credits, right? When I was looking at yeah. the cast. So, sure, sure. Um, but you know, it's look, actors find uh, not actors, directors find actors they like because they become people they can trust. There's somebody they know is going to show up on time, that they can hit their marks, they can they, they they're reliable. You know, they're not going to be divas and prima donnas. Yep. And, yeah, and, they be, and they're buddies too. They become friends. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And and uh, you know and we're, and you know both Kate Winslet and Sigourney Weaver are Academy Award nominated uh, actresses, and one of them actually is one an Academy Award in Kate Winslet. Um, and also, I have a question for you: Is it was it offensive that they used uh, a sixty, a late sixties woman to play a fourteen year old girl? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Well, look, I this is going to be – It was a joke. And I'm just going to leave that here. I don't want to discuss it. We are at a stage now with because of CGI. I mean, you could always do it with animation. Yeah. That you could technically be hitting a point where any actor could play any part. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, well, and, well, we saw that with, with – well, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but the Irishman, Scorsese's film, they were playing – Al Pacino is like 80-something years old. And he was playing a fifty-year-old guy or a forty-year-old guy in the film. It was like nuts. And right, but I, I just say like, yeah. I know that some point there's going to be a shitstorm because someone's going to cast Jamie Foxx to play a CGI Abraham Lincoln, or Daniel Day Lewis to play Martin Luther King. You know, they're going to do this weird shit, and people are going to have a shitstorm. But it, it, and when in a lot of ways, it's going to remove some of these barriers, right? That stop people from getting jobs too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, I, I kind of enjoyed the fact that something like Hamilton basically allowed you to cast an all-black cast playing the Founding Fathers. Um, oh. But, uh, you know, it's 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 acting, right? It's fundamentally it's acting. And, oh. you know, let let the actors act. Now, uh, let's get back to, to uh, the film here. Um, yeah. Let's just throw up the spoiler alert now. Um, since we we have uh, been recording about fifty minutes now, and a lot of it was uh, uh, the the things surrounding the film more than the the film itself. So at this point, we can talk about uh, the whole film and stuff. Uh, just to set up before we throw the spoiler right up, uh, what it is? It's basically um, a sequel a few years later, and uh, the humans come back. Um, and now uh, the spoiler is up. So now we will talk about everything, anything. And one thing that, that I felt was interesting. And one of the things that I think when Cameron was making the film, he didn't plan this because again, a lot of characters died. 
or or whatever, but he wanted to bring these these actors back to play the roles, specifically Stephen Lang and, and Sigourney Weaver. And again, he he he's probably good friends with both. He's worked with them. They're good actors and actresses. And so, you know, I want to use them again. But how do you do it? And he probably didn't prep it because again, it's like I I, I think some of the people originally were complaining about it, saying, "Well, it's kind of weird because it's like these are the the any." Uh, or whatever her name is from from Misery, where she says you can't do the cockadoo because you know the characters reappear and they were supposed to be dead. And one here is he has Sigourney Weaver's character come back as like a reincarnation of the daughter, or or some sort of weirdness about that. And then uh, Stephen Lang's character they bring back based off of. Um, uh, they had his memory in a, as a computer program or something, which wasn't ever brought in the in the prior movie that they could do that, where they could make copies of people's brains or whatever or minds and and have it in computers. But they say, you know, it's two hundred years in the future or whatever. We can do that. We'll just say it, it, you can do that. And then, of course, the the son Stephen Lang's character's son appears, and you know, there was nothing about that in the prior movie, but you know, you know, we will just say he, he had a son and, 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 and go with that. And the reason they had to leave him was for some strange reason, if you're a certain age, you can't go back to cryo sleep or whatever. Um, what was your guys thoughts on, on, on those things? Uh, for me, it didn't really matter. I mean, I, I could see how it's kind of silly and, uh, you know, you may, uh, uh, you know, the first, Five minutes, I was like, eh, it's a little weird. But once that, once the movie started rolling, it didn't bother me at all. Your thoughts, guys? It didn't really bother me. Um, I, you know, whether it was in the first movie or not, those things could plausibly have existed um, without any of those scenes that were in the first movie having contained them. So they, they didn't really bother me too much. What about you, Mike? Did we lose Mike? Sorry, I've seen enough sequels where there's always a little retconning. Not always, but often a little retconning. You know, I didn't watch Return of the Jedi and say, hey, they never said they were working on a new Death Star. Right. Um, the number of times, for instance, that in like a Freddy or, or Jason film where they just, you know, improv on the spot, the, the real way to finally kill him forever in this movie, and then they decide that it's not really that way in the next movie. And there's a new way to kill him forever in the next movie. Um, it, it, it's a thing. I, I, it's not my. It's not a thing that I like. You know, I, I, it's it's feels a little cheap. Um, I I think you know certainly you could have had uh, Spider is the name of the the kid that couldn't go back. But I understand why they made him. Uh, uh, what's his name? Quaritch. Uh, why they made them his son thematically and for, for, for reasons. It's just really weird thinking that this guy apparently, you know, was shagging with some woman uh, up there and had a baby. And we, and we never learned anything about it. Never mentioned it at all. In the don't last know nothing film. about the, the woman, right? We don't know about the woman. We know yet. nothing about the mom. The mom was perfectly fine leaving the child behind, which is weird. Or maybe the, I don't know, maybe the mom had died. I don't know what the story was. Uh, it just it, it felt a little range, 
It was clunky. And clunky, yeah. And but I'm also willing to say, you know what? Um, the film is setting up its parameters, and it, this is what it needs to tell its story. And, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I, I can easily just kind of look the other way for a little bit. That's that's not like a deal breaker for me. That's not. It's not the same as the uh, Annie Wilkes jumping out of the cockadoodie car, where it's you know to, to save a character at the end of like at the climax of a film. Um, you know, who just decides, oh, and I just happen to have this anti-venom with me the entire time. You know, it's like, um, all right, whatever. You know, just that way where it's a cheap plot point. Here, this is setting the film up. And so if you're setting the film up, I'll give you a little bit more leeway. One of the things that bothers me more is actually where they went from unobtainium to this new stuff that makes you immortal. Um, you know, I thought, I thought unobtainium was kind of cheesy in the first one. And going to an immortality drug was, uh, I don't know, it's just, so they just totally forgot about the unobtainium, but they really wanted this stuff now. Which, um, they, which they don't even tell you about in, until like halfway or through right, the film. Right, exactly. Um, but, and honestly, it's the, the whale's plot line is the one that just annoyed the shit out of me um, for a lot of, because it didn't need to be there in the end. It just took time. Uh, I mean, there was great visuals. The whales were neat, but it was, I felt like the the, the most preachy part of an already preachy film. Um, yeah, I can see that. So, um, but yeah, it's it, there was no need. There was already a reason for them to be there. Right? They, they didn't need to invent a new reason for them to come. Right. They already had unobtainium. Right, and, and I don't care. I see. I got a kick out of Unobtainium. I got. A, I I laughed at that. Yeah, it, because... but it was still cheesy. It's funny, yeah. but it was still cheesy. Right, right. Well, he it was intentionally a wink and a nod to the audience right. because they didn't have to call it Unobtainium. He could have called it, you know, uh, uh, anything. He could have just, right. or he could have said it was plutonium or gold. You know, he, but he just decided to be funny and and call it Unobtainium. Well, they right? needed something to get the the stuff to float. Right. I mean, that was part of it. Yeah. Wasn't it on obtainium? What was letting things fly? Like the right, but they didn't the have to. They didn't have to. They didn't have to call it that. Is what I mean. Right. They did it. He did intentionally because of, you know you look it up in wiki. It's it's a running joke for years. You know, on obtainium, and he decided to go with it. Um, so I don't. I mean, that was you know I I understood the wink and the nod at that, but it was bizarre that suddenly they didn't hear about it anymore. And they made this new, new, um, I guess, mineral or essence or whatever you want to call it instead to be the reason they come back, you know, because you would think they would just come back because of the unobtainium. But well, and it kind of feels the same way to me as so that unobtainium plotline was left alone. So then the whole movie itself, the family runs from the family that they know to another whole family only to fight back. And because they don't want to yeah. endanger the first family, but they're okay endangering the second one. I, that well, kind of bugged that, me too. <laughs> well, well, actually, I'll, I'll rewind it because there's that number one. <laughs> but before, well, after that, to me, that's my number two. My number one is Horwich is hunting my family. I'm going to leave my tribe, but he will stop hunting them, and they'll be safe. Right. They've been waging a, a basically a terrorist or insurrection action against the human colonists where I get the sense for a month or a year at this point. And because yeah. Jake Sully has left, 
they're suddenly going to stop giving a shit about the Navi, number one. And number two, did he, like, send him a card telling him, by the way, I have left the tribe. Please leave them alone from now on. Right. No, this is, and, and let's point out that this is a character who does, later in the film, you know, torture people in a tribe to try to bring Jake out of hiding. So the idea, so what's he going to do? Is he just going to, I don't, I don't picture him leaving his people alone. Right. And it felt like a really bad, that, so right there was a really bad plot point. And unfortunately, it's one that I think could just as easily have been solved by having him do what apparently is going to happen in the next film, by having him say, we we can't fight them. We're we're not going to win this without help. We need to unite our people. I am going to go recruit more people to our cause. Well, that's what they did in the first movie, right? They recruited all these other. It wasn't just the one tribe. It was many right. tribes that kicked them off the planet. So, and that would have worked. But nope, we go. We, we're going to go to the, the tribe of sea people. We're going to kind of leave out the fact that we are being hunted, and you know that I'm putting you in danger just by living here. Um, and you're just going to let us live here. And the whole point, and so this is like my problem with what's his story arc. His story arc is that he's got to learn to fight, which is what his story arc was in the first film. It's where he was at the beginning of the film. Right. But now it's all new creatures. It's water creatures. And that's what it right. felt like the whole thing was for, was just to introduce a new type of Navi. What, what was it? Was it also uh, a, a commentary on whaling? And, oh well, there's that, but I mean that, that's a whole other. That's thing. just it's all the yeah. In general, I that's think that's a subcategory of that. of hug a tree, right? It's a subcategory right. of love yeah, sure. your earth. And yeah. I am, and I look, and I'm absolutely respect nature and take care. But like, I have a problem. Like he has to, he has stacked the deck so badly, he doesn't even follow the rules in order to get his lovely nature parable across. So they talk about how violent and deadly this this world is. And that every creature seems to live in harmony, and they have no trouble having brain sex with each other. And it's apparently a world where there's no viruses, right? So there's this ecological internet with no computer viruses. <laughs> Nothing gets infected by looking up, hooking up with something else. We never see anyone in like the the Navi tribe like eaten by one of the various critters. Well, is, we we saw we saw it in the first movie, right? Where, where we saw that... a little bit of it in the first. We don't yeah, see yeah, it here. Yeah. You get right. one. For lack of a better term, right. they're, creature. They're ignoring omnivores and carnivores. Right. You get one shark creature in the ocean. Now, the ocean, if, it doesn't have to be Earth, but let's be honest, he's drawing a lot from Earth in his creation of these ecosystems. You know, he's basically taking, like, you know, they're blue cat people. They're not truly alien creatures. You know, there's they're, they're tweaks and changes. They change the number of eyes, the number of limbs. But they're all kind of recognizable if you look at some sort of uh, have a uh, an analog to an Earth creature. Yeah, they're humanoids. So you have like you have like one sea creature, which is a shark creature in the sea that was dangerous, and that was it. In this you know, film, the seas yeah. are yeah. very dangerous. Lots and lots of large predators, but but not not there. And this super dangerous world. Also, the Navi, their medicine is better than. You know, the medicine of people have the ability to travel between planets. They do not have, apparently, any child mortality. Uh, they don't have disease. They live in peace and harmony. It's this, this very idealistic yeah, every, everybody, portrayal of this world. Everybody dies of old age, not of sickness. Right. That's Whereas true. opposed to if you're going to go back to that level of living, then then you really ought to be having a 
you know, a high right, mortality rate. Right, it's right. It, it just this leaning there's no, way there's too no, hard no tobacco. in order no to tobacco. sell us. No... Right. It's just this idea that it's, it's like the return to Eden. You know, well, Earth was never Eden. <laughs> there, was, there was never a time right. where people lived in harmony with the planet and nothing well, died. And that's the thing is that the first movie kind of made – it looked like a very dangerous world because I rewatched it, like I said, in September with my girls. Yeah. And and those 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 dog creatures and the dinosaur creature that killed the dogs and then attacked them and all that. Those creatures, you know, it was pretty scary the first thirty minutes. It was almost like um, you know Jurassic Park. You know, or Jurassic World Part Two. You know, we, we right. they just hand or Part Three. You know, where the dinosaurs are everywhere and they're they're going to eat you as well as eat each other. And then, yeah, this film they they pretty much removed the carnivore and omnivore aspect of the film, where it's an ecosystem where animal eats animal. Um, unfortunately, so yeah, right. and, that, and I just if you're going to tell a story about ecology and the importance of ecosystems I, I just would rather you be honest about ecosystems and you know and not give us this you know something that feels like it's out of bambi where the only thing that's dangerous is the human hunters off you know shadowy human hunters <laughs> right. in the distance right, right. I, unless and, unless we we're introduced to the world as no omnivores or carnivores right but in, we in which case i would also then immediately be questioning the entire how this ecosystem functions and maybe someone comes up with a way to do it in which case yeah. okay but um but again, that's that's what I was saying. I, I I'm a little insulted at that he's like turned it down to like the level of talking to five year olds, and he also portrays it in ways that I think are completely unbelievable. You know, he stacked the deck uh, in in a way that, and like the same thing with the save the whales. It's not enough that there's whale like creatures. It's not enough that they're intelligent creatures and empathic creatures. Nope, they're pacifists. They can actually speak, and not just speak like a rough language. They speak fluent language. They have poetry, mathematics. They they eat gluten free foods. You know, it's just like it goes through they're, everything. They're smarter it's than like, humans. They, they, they recycle their trash. They're, they're they, even smarter than we are. They you supply know, uh, an immortality drug, and the yeah, only way to and, get and it is have through their brain. <laughs> because it's not enough. Because we have to. Well, we have to make sure you know just how really bad whaling is. And last I checked, and yes, you can certainly point out cultures that still do it. Uh, no argument. Yeah, Japan, but, Iceland, whatever. Yeah, but it's it's really heavy-handed, and and I and to, to the degree where it didn't have to, and fundamentally, if that wasn't in the story, the story wouldn't really be. Moby Dick was a great book, a great book, um, and the movie was awesome. Well, too. right, but because okay, what if the whales were not in this film? Well, now you would have lost some awesome action sequences, no question. Right. Uh, but then they would have just used the torturing of the tribe members to serve the same purpose. Right. 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 Well, they yeah they could have they could have just stuck with the anatamium and have Lang's character be the rogue or or set off by the the army to eliminate uh, a traitor or go after a traitor in their opinion, and and that would have been good enough, but. Yeah, they decided to have the subplot. Now, I don't have any issues that that whales were as intelligent as the Navi, because again, this is a, a yeah, that doesn't bother world. me either. Now, when they have all these other things, you know, obviously Mike was being humorous about the gluten free and all that, but the the rest of it, 
where, yeah, you know, they are pacifists and they're this and they're that. I, I can see how that can be considered heavy-handed. So that that that's fair. Well, and here's 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 where I find it ridiculous is that you have the outcast whale. And I'm eating my gluten. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, anyway, continue. Yeah, you yeah, the outcast, outcast whale, whale, whatever his name is. Yeah. And we find out he's, he's outcast because he was violent. And then you find out the reason he was violent was because he was being attacked and his pod mates. I'm assuming we'll call them pods, the same as his, yeah. He's trying to save people. Trying to save his, his yeah. family. Yeah. And and he was outcast for trying to save his family by using violence. And now right. through the translation, through the, the um, youngest boy, second son, whatever his name was, yep, yep. second son says to the tribal leader, you know, after after violent whale saves his life, that he's not violent anymore. He promises he'll never use violence again. You know, he's changed. He's not the same as he was before. Right. And yet later in the film. He uses violence. Now, we never see a moment where he says, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to save you, and I will you know, renounce my oath of nonviolence. You never yeah. see the rest of the whales say, no, these people have gone too far. We have to give up our pacifist ways to fight back. We never yeah. see them accept violent whale back in. And I don't want to hear that, well, that's in another story. You could certainly have had at least little bits of that of story development in there of the whale saying, you know what, if it yeah. means being an outcast, I'll be an outcast if I can save those I well, care about. And I, I see your point because, you know, in the earth world, we have herbivores that won't attack to eat you, but they still will use violence. You know, like a horse will still kick you in the, in the head and kill you. A cow will do the same thing. A moose will do the same thing. You know, so so there are plenty of herbivores in the real world, even even sheep who are harmless and goats that are harmless basically. If there's a problem, they they, they you know, they'll try to escape and they you may get hurt just because they run you over or something. So Yeah, and it hurts. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you know, I mean, so it is interesting how here violence there's a creature that is true pacifist, like 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 the definition of pacifists, and when violence occurs by them, there it's immediately considered outcast. While in the real world, that you know this ecosystem is based off of, which is the Earth ecosystem, even herbivores and animals that don't eat other animals will become violent to protect themselves if they have to, or even on mistake where they just assume you're a threat, you know, or well, you come too close to their child, you know, I mean, it happens. I have a right, question you about also, this. By the way. Anyway, I have a question about this because humans are not part of the natural Navi world. So wouldn't they be considered as like, uh, I don't know, like rogue cells that they could kill? I mean, are be, right. Yeah. Or, or, or what would they do? Yeah, invasive species. Right. So, wouldn't why would the whales even think about the you know fighting back the same way with the humans? They're not part of the natural environment. Well, well, this is this is part of the problem of him telling the story in shorthand and trying to cram too much in the story, so not everything is as fully fleshed out as it could be, and you know, sticking a story in there to make a point rather than making a you know 
rather than incorporating it more naturally into it and following it through and developing it well, he, I don't think he was able to do that in the time that he had. And we're talking about a three and a half hour movie. He had plenty of time. You know, it, it's not until like an hour into the movie that we end up in the water world part, right? So it takes yeah. a long time for the setup and everything else to happen. Um, well, and he definitely the, the, makes the whale hate. is introduced very late. There's no doubt. But well, he definitely makes you right. hate the whalers. I mean, <laughs> you watch what the whalers do, and it couldn't be more awful. Um, right, right. <laughs> and it's all right, for this one thing. There are a lot of ways to have handled it, and even like I said, even if they had given. The fact that they end the whale that had been violent and then wasn't violent and then had re- had renounced violence, but then unrenounced violence and unrenounced violence off screen. And you never get any discussion because we know we can talk to the whale and they had the whale subtitles earlier in the film. So you could portray that conversation, you know, uh, you know, you never had the whale like give the Popeye line. I've, I've had uh, had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. And and go in and and then fuck shit up. Even just a little thing like that, at least it would have felt like there was a character turn as opposed to just. And now we need the character, the, the whale, to do this for this plot point, so because this will look cool. And it didn't necessarily come out of story or character. And or you know if the, the if the whale had just been from the beginning, you know, it's of saying, um. I, I, if, if protecting my loved ones means being an exile, then then so be it. As opposed to saying, but I promise I'll never be violent again. You know, it just right. it just kind of goes back and forth according to what he felt like writing at the moment, and it doesn't end up being to me a coherent story. In other words, I like the the concept. Uh, don't get me wrong; I'm far from pro whaling, but I, I I would love to have seen it get its proper due, and I don't think it got it here. It just felt like, you know. Oh yeah, and whaling is bad too. Right. And you know, look how horrible it, look film. how horrible it is. We're going to show how horrible it is. Yes. Well, well, let me ask you this about the the you, you know Mike mentioned the, the Jesus thing, and we'll talk about that. I assume because I, I'm, I'm not quite sure what you mean. But obviously, they have some spiritual stuff in here, and even references that are based off of stories uh, or or fact, if you prefer. But but we have the um, the two sons, and it's almost like the prodigal son thing. I felt because you know for folks who who aren't familiar with the prodigal son, it's a it's a, a story that Jesus says in the Bible in the in the in the testaments, the four gospels, about a father who has two sons, and he gives them both a lot of money to help work on the farm and build a farm. One, the older son decides to do just that and makes a really good life of himself. Well, the other one says, you know what? I'm taking this money and I'm going to the next country over. And he basically blows it on whores and, and stuff like that. And then he comes back like Went 20 to Vegas years to later. Blow it on hooker and blow. Basically, yeah. 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 And, and it it's pretty, pretty much specifically says that in, in, in the story, too. And yep. he comes back and his father uh, immediately – takes them back um and and also it can be related to the book of job as well in the bible where job was this guy who does everything for god 
And same with and Cain and Abel, for that matter, too, where, where Cain does all this stuff for God, but God likes Abel better, or at least that's what he perceives, Cain perceives. And Job does all this stuff for God, and God keeps on, you know, giving him pestilence and giving him sickness and giving him this. And, that. and, and so you get this son, this younger son, who just keeps on getting pissed on by his father, who is the Sam Worthington character. And the other son, the older son, who can't do any wrong. And so I, I saw a lot of biblical things here, too. I, I mean, I didn't see the Jesus one. But, well, and then there's also the, the Sigourney Weaver one, too, you know, with the daughter. So so I guess there's a lot of it. And I don't know if that was – I mean, it was intentional, those stories. But I don't know if they were intentionally um, similar to these biblical stories because I, I have no idea. Well, my problem with the um... – the older son was I first saw him dying from the second he appeared on screen and there was a younger son. I just didn't. And what the younger son was a mess up. I knew that was going to happen. And so that kind of, I don't know. I know yeah. it was going to be one of them. I just wasn't sure. Will it be the younger one? Excuse me. Was it the younger one who dies because the older son was not watching him the way he was supposed to? Or is the younger son's fuck-upness fuck going to cause the older son to get killed? It's going to be one of the two. Yeah, see, I, I didn't see either, the either because I, I just I felt this was Avatar. They're not going to kill off one of the sons. But, of course, I was way off on that. <laughs> uh, so... This is like the first film where Jake runs into whatever her name is, Zoe Saldana's yep. character. And I'm like, okay, let me guess. They're going to fall in love. They're going to get married. She's going to be betrothed to the top warrior, and her father yes. is the head of the tribe. And I can yep. tell you that, like, from the excuse me, the the moment you met her, that they they first laid eyes on each other on the screen. Yeah, yeah, all right, and, and, that's, yeah. and that that that's why the scripts for these have been so criticized for being cliche. Is that it's not just that they have. Yeah, you know, certain tropes in them because oh god sorry so many of the films have films have tropes in them. it's that they're not even doing using the tropes in an original way and it makes the film very predictable uh, uh yeah. sorry and like i said one of my favorite early internet memes was seeing somebody take the uh put this the one page plot outline of pocahontas and they just go through the the poca of disney's pocahontas scribble out the names of the characters and write the avatar names in their place because it pretty much follows the exact same story beats. Um, right. And, and that's one of the reasons so why uh, avatar was, was tr people, uh, people were saying they're native Americans. That's what all they are, you know, because of that, that meme that you, you just mentioned, Mike. Um, and I haven't seen Pocahontas, the, the cartoon, because uh, I, I, I forget why I heard it was just average or whatever. It's still avatar. Yeah, I saw Avatar. There you go. So maybe that's the same thing. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe these things are not original, and maybe he is familiar with the biblical stories and Pocahontas and all these other stories, or or or, or history, if you prefer. And because both Pocahontas and and the Bible can be considered history, maybe he just saw all these things and said, "Hey, what's what's." Turnham use them as his template or his skeleton to form a new story, even if it is very similar. Um, well, right. I think there's a reason why archetypes 
uh, persevere because they 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 touch on some truth. They have some resonance to them. Uh, it's all about you know, the resonance, really. I mean, it's right. I think we we all recognize. You know, so look at some of these archetypes. And we can tell there's certain people that just, yeah, that reminds me of this person. That reminds me of that person. And then you always get sure. some people that are characters that are a little bit more on the that don't fit so neatly into the the archetype character and they often remind you of somebody too or maybe they're just something completely unique well well and there's, um, a couple other, there's another one you know you know this uh Stephen lang's character's son you know he i'm sh- I, I can see him i've seen stories of, of where people or creatures adopt a foreign creature and they become one of them and are, is that creature going to betray and have that fight between are they human or are they navi or are they human or whatever or are they are they english you know like Lawrence arabia is he is he arabic or is he english he has to fight between you know and he keeps on coming back he go and he talks to uh uh his his friend the arab, the arab friend played by Omar Sharif he goes when Omar Sharif says, you're one of us. And he goes, but am I? Look. And he he pinches his, his arm. I'm this color. I'm not your, I'm not like you. You know, because Omar, uh, Arab folk are, look, I'm Mediterranean. And he's as blonde and blue eyes you can get. So we've seen these stories hundreds of times. And so that's another one that was thrown in there. And, and but, but you know, to no, you know, six degrees to James Cameron, you know, he did Aliens, which is a sequel to Alien, which was written by Dan O'Bannon. And Dan O'Bannon has said many times, or, or has been quoted many times, which is, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing here, Dan O'Bannon, the, the screenwriter and director, he said that it's very difficult to find original stories today and and so you're always going to be taking things from other stories so james cameron he may be taking from pocahontas he may be taking from uh the gospels uh and and job and and uh cain and abel he may be taking from um you know moby dick he may be taking from um uh, you know the the example that I just used with 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 the kid uh, is he Lawrence of Arabia? He could have been taken from all these films and these stories. You know, well, and that's and, the thing. The older you are, and the more experience you have, the more you've probably read and seen. So you're gonna be able to compare it to other stuff. So if we were like ten year olds and we watched this movie, it would be the best thing we ever probably saw, <laughs> and we couldn't compare yeah. it to anything. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a fair point too. So I, I don't know if I can fault him for quote unquote not being original because Dan O'Bannon's point is fair. So the question is, did he do enough of a original story to make it okay? And 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 it is an argument two ways. Mike's point, which is, you know, it's it's not original enough. He didn't change it. And then there's other people's points, which is I think it is because it's takes place on Pandora and it's about blue people and and whatnot. So that's well, that gonna be debate. Me, uh, yeah, go on. Uh, oh, Mike, 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 you, you're fading out again. You're not. I don't know what happened. Uh, just the mic. Moved. There we go. So that that, re- that reminds me of the of Home Alone two. Now uh, Home Alone two, I I have not seen, but um, I remember when it came out. I, 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 and there were complaints 
that, as with many sequels, that the sequel was simply redoing the exact same thing that the original did. And I saw a quote from a kid who said, it's not the same thing as the original. In the original, he befriends an old woman, and in the new one, he befriends an old man or something like that. It's the like, opposite well, of that. The first one, he befriends an old man. second one, he okay. So uh, clearly not my favorite film series, but um, <laughs> I love those but, films. <laughs> right, if you're if all you're doing is cutting and pasting blue blue people on top of the other, then I think that's one thing. You're, you, there's there's others that do do new twists on it or new ways to, to tell it. Um, you know, West Side Story was just retelling Romeo and Juliet, for example. Um, I, I I dropped out on the internet for a minute, um, but. Uh, I think like the last original story idea, maybe that I I can remember, might have been Groundhog's Day, right? Where it's just uh, you know having somebody relive the same story over and over and over again, and, and even that now has become a trope. Yeah, uh, big time now. Yeah, big time. Now. Yeah. So. Uh, well, and you could even say Groundhog Day took, if if not reliving over and over, it took the idea of an alternate life had certain different things happen and you go all the way back to it's a wonderful life right and and so they could have took that idea and said hey let's make it every day oh i, I you know i think it's christmas it, carol uh, <laughs> yeah christmas carol absolutely there you go go on Mike. or video games right because that's kind of what happens when you play video games you know you try a thing yeah. and you die and then you come back and you try it again and then you die and then you try it again and you, try, you keep trying new ways until you're finally successful yeah. um but they still turn that in, into it, it turned it to that degree in a story. But it's, yeah, so, but you can say, oh, okay, it's a Groundhog's Day story. Same way you could say it's a, a, a slasher or a body swap story or a Romeo and Juliet story. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there are tropes, but it's literally just, unfortunately, not really doing much, if anything, original with it outside of the color of the people in the world that it's set on. And now that is in itself a, you know, a great world that he's created. Um, and he's put a lot of work and effort into, into the spectacle, and the 3D, and the action is still really great. So yeah, yeah. there's things that it it's offers. Possibly the highest-grossing film of all time. By that time, it's done. But continue. I mean, it's well. I mean, depends. If just for inflation, it's still gone with the wind. Uh, but and like not even close. But yeah, it's still up there. And it's and it's weird to think, you know, that here's a guy who, um, Spielberg went from Jaws was the highest-grossing film of all time. Loses it to Star Wars, wins it back with ET, beats it with Jurassic War, uh, Jurassic Park. Then Spiel, uh, then Cameron comes in, beats Jurassic Park with Titanic, then beats Titan, uh, then beats Titanic with Avatar. So, with the exception of Star Wars, ever since 1975, there's just been two guys that have been responsible for the highest-grossing box office films of all time. Or, and if you want, you could say three guys. Just throw George Lucas' name because he's he's huge you know i mean he sold right but he's only but he's literally just one of those three films you know yeah, one of those yeah, uh yeah. well well he's the producer yeah, and, and, or, or he was a producer and creator of, of all of them even if he wasn't directing necessarily all of them but fair point no it's just star wars right it's i was it um you know Raiders oh you mean the series oh oh because the other ones didn't make it yeah star wars was you're right. saying the and there's like a minute and a half that end guy that end game was yeah. was on top. Um, that's about it. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean you can make an argument that Spielberg and Cameron are the most successful genre directors in history. Um, 
And I would probably still take Spielberg's body of work over Cameron's because Cameron's done a lot less. But, you know, if you look at their, their best genre stuff on each side, it's, you know, it's it's a really pretty awesome body of work. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. And I wouldn't choose either of them as my favorite director by by any means, because I, I love Scorsese and David Lean and, and on and on. But so so really, you know, box office means nothing. If, yeah, but, they're, but they're not genre directors. Yeah, okay, well, all right. I, I, it depends on what your, your definition of genre is. But yeah, okay, that's fair. I mean, you go Hitchcock. Groups. Hitchcock, I like better. What about Hitchcock? I, you know, so I can say Hitchcock's better, and he was a genre director. You know, so I, I don't know what your definition is, but fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, if, if you're just talking science fiction and and stuff like that, then I guess yeah, it's just those two as as the two best. And even that doesn't mean they're better than Ridley Scott. You know, you could go. You know, it depends. It, it all depends. Oh uh, yeah, it does. I um, mean, I, I don't think Ridley Scott has a lot of Alien, Alien lot and Blade Runner. Classics. Alien and Blade Runner atop any of the films. I think but, that. But Mike was talking about money. Money yeah, yeah. Money-wise, I, I concur. Money yeah, success, concur. but also you're talking about Jaws and Raiders and Close Encounters and uh, I, I Jurassic World. I still go with Alien, I think, over all those films. But that's just me. But it's still more films than just the two. Um, you have Cameron with Aliens and Terminator and Terminator 2 and The Abyss. Uh, and Avatar, and you know, it's. I, I, guess well, I wouldn't put him in. Yeah, I mean, I could look up Ridley Scott now and and, and check, you know, so, and see what his. So I want to move on. I want to move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. And yeah. I want to talk about the thing I found most egregious about this movie, which was the last forty-five minutes. We get into this with an army fighting with them. To the army has completely disappeared, and it's all the family fighting, and that's it. I just found that mysteriousness really bugged the crap out of me and I did not like that. Explain Barrett. I, I didn't, I didn't get what you meant. The family, they, they approach the, the armada of shit or the big ship. I guess not yeah. an armada. They have some little ships that come off of it yeah. with an army of sea beasts and the whole village. And yeah, at okay. some point those people just happen to disappear. They are no longer part of the story at the end. <laughs> And it really bothered me. Like, they could have been helping in this whole time, and it wouldn't have been as dramatic, but it does, their non-existence at that point is not explained. Yeah, I, I think I think what he was trying to say was when the ecosystem is in danger, even people that are enemies or indifferent to each other, including animals, will all unite against the, the invasive species, which is man yeah but where did they go they just disappear for the last part of the movie until you see them at the very end when they come back to the village yeah where were yeah. they that whole time yeah. they're yeah. nowhere well, to be found it, it, yeah there, there's some conveniences because again when sam yeah. worthington's family comes to the water people the wife and the children and various other random characters don't like them because they're not part of in other words they're very tribal you know this is they're very tribal and then yet the the, the chief of the water people says okay we're going to accept you to the dismay of some, a lot including his wife and a couple of his kids so i i, I feel that your point is is most certainly valid and 
the thing is, is that I, th- I think Cameron was trying to get, like Mike said, there's too much where he's, he's trying to make all the animals be indifferent to each other and the tribalness of the people. But at the end, every, everybody, including the animals and the tribes are best friends because it's an invading species. And and that doesn't happen in the real world. I mean, for example, when, 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 oh, most certainly, because, you know, when, when the Nazis invaded Soviet Russia, they invaded Ukraine and the Ukrainians decided that the Nazis were liberators because Stalin had mass murdered millions of Ukrainians prior to that, the Hamador, which is basically another genocide of the Ukrainians. And we already saw what, what they, he was doing to the Finns and the Estonians and the Lithuanians and Latvians and the Belarus and the Armenians and so on. So if, if if tribalism wasn't, I understand them working together. I don't understand them not being part of the plot in the last thirty minutes. Like literally yeah. disappearing. But, but they literally, they, they literally disappear. They wouldn't work together at the beginning, and and you would think that some of the tribes would join with the the the. the but, Phil, you're not understanding. They disappear in the middle of the fight. Yeah, yeah, true. they're just gone. Yeah. They are yeah. nowhere to be found. Yeah, they're just not there. And it doesn't yeah. make any story sense at yeah. all. Like, yeah, there's no true. side fights going on that are occupying them. There's yeah. nothing that's occupying them. So you're Maybe like, they just abandoned. They just did disappeared. They, yeah, did they abandon? Or did they just disappear? They just disappeared. I mean, they didn't show them yeah. abandoning, and they went full yeah. full throated into fighting everybody. That's why yeah. everything was getting destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. My my suspicion, honestly, and this might go to the whale uh, storyline too, uh, is that the movie was three and a half hours long. He probably had five hours worth of story, and some storylines hit the editing room floor. Yeah. Um, Which is possible because the original Avatar has like four different cuts, including you know the the one that has an extra hour in it, right? So it could be the same here. So continue, Mike. No, so I have a feeling that's what happened with that. But it's a horrible thing to do in this. I mean, if it's going to be that long, you don't just drop a, a whole section of the people that are part of a fight and don't explain it. I mean, it's just I, I think it's egregious in this movie for how much they spent. And <laughs> it's just I, I think there's a lot that's that, that a lot of, like I said, egregious plot points. I don't think like the the idea that Jake Sully's character arc was to end up exactly where he was at the end of the last movie that he that his uh, his escape you know plan was to literally jeopardize his his uh uh his family back his, his tribal family and not look back uh and go find a new family that he could put in jeopardy right. um but is it yeah, is so this... there, there's all sorts of things like that, that go with this but is it uh, is there think... any I mean, we're we're throwing, you know, saying this is all egregious and whatever, but, and and I'm just asking, I'm not saying this is true. Could we go back and say, well, Star Wars or or Jaws or this or that had these flaws too? I don't know. I'm just throwing no, that out. I don't think they did. I don't think not they did, but, but we're not talking about those films right now. I'm just saying that's what I feel is most egregious about this film. I'm not sure. saying in general of all films, this is the most egregious thing I've ever seen. No, it's just a horrible part of this movie. Right. Now, who are the people that disappear? You're saying the, the humans or, or the other Navis? 
all the other Navi, and all you see in the last 30 to 40 minutes is him and his family rescuing each other from the boat. Wouldn't the other, the whole tribe have been helping? Well, that that is bizarre because you're right. You're right because we're not just talking about the land navi or the flying navi. You're actually even talking about the the sea navi just disappear. Right, they just disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was weird. Right. You would think they would would have gone as an army, or or there would have been little brigades that would have been with Sam Worthington's character, but they weren't. You're right. So it was almost like it was contrived so they could have the face off one on one type of thing. Right, yeah, and have well, it was this and and family. Right, fight. and this was a a pseudo plot point because you have the 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 leader of the of the water tribe like do the well so we fight in what was apparently meant to be an applause moment. Although at no point have we left to believe that like it wasn't like an ongoing plot point that he was refusing to join into the fight. You know, this right. is what I'm saying is like the, there was like weird lack of character arcs that they try to pay off character arcs that that didn't exist. Right. It's saying, not like, and then like we fight. Well, you already knew you had to fight. Right. Right. It wasn't like Jon Snow when his his brother gets killed by the arrow and he just and he just charges Ramsey. And then you, that's a cheering moment. Right. And right. And, and this one here. Yeah. I mean, you, you figured that was going to happen because that's the point of their lining up was to fight while. Jon Snow and Ramsey in Game of Thrones. Maybe Jon Snow was thinking there was a peaceful way to get over this, while Ramsey wasn't. Here, I think both sides knew this was war. Period. So when he screams, "Let's fight!" You figure, okay, yeah, we knew that was going to come. So it may be cheering for my six-year-old and eight-year-old who are watching the film, but us, the adults, we knew that was coming. And then they, and then Varys' point is they just disappeared, which. Unfortunately, yeah, it makes no sense. So maybe, maybe is this film more made for a younger audience? Then is it similar to a Star Wars in that way, rather than a Black Hawk Down by Ridley Scott? You see what I'm saying? Maybe it was made for a younger audience. Is that maybe the reason? I don't think he's ever said it's made for younger audiences, but it's definitely not made for a, you know, <laughs> someone with a high reading level. I, I I don't think it's made for five year olds. Um, what was the rating? PG thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But but what was it made for? Like thirteen year olds or twelve year olds or fifteen year olds? Right. Uh, maybe I'm sure. Well, similar you to Star Wars was right. I mean, technically that was. Well, you can make an argument that you know maybe that's why he's like being so heavy handed with the the allegory is because he's aiming yeah. at a younger audience and wants to make sure they understand it. But you look at most of Cameron's films, he was not writing for children. He wasn't making films that would necessarily alienate children. But but most of those but, films were intentionally R-rated, like Terminator and Aliens right. and, and stuff. Obviously, PJ, obviously Titanic, even though it most certainly has adult themes in it because of the, the love story and the newsy and whatever, and even, even right. some of the violence, it was still a family film in the sense that it was for the whole family to watch together. And that was at least you know 10 years old or older, but, you know, and even the nudity in that film was the same nudity that were PG films from the seventies. So it's not a big deal, but these films you could argue are more in the level of the, of Star Wars. It's for those. Uh, for I, I don't think right. No, I don't think it's aiming aiming at that. Star Wars was made for kids. I don't think this was aimed quite at that. I think it's aiming a little bit higher, but I think it is it is intended to be more of an, uh, 
a family film. Um, I just think that like star, young kids could watch Star Wars, and yet Star Wars has a couple of dark moments in there, like the burnt bodies of Amperu and Uncle Owen. Um, but I think there are a lot more intense moments in this. Uh, so I think it skews a little bit older. Well, but let's I don't be think honest. Intended. Let's be honest. When you make when you need to make two billion to come out even, you want everyone to see this film. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, yeah, with very few exceptions, you know, you'd like everyone to be able to see your film, um, but you know, not everybody can do that. Yeah, but that's that's different than needing everybody to. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and and as you said, Barrett, uh, even though the folks who are listening to this review, uh, we defended the film very much during the the ableism racism calls. But as we talk about the plot, even though at least me and Barrett like this film a lot, you know, it feels like we're we're everybody here is is, is being very negative to the film. Well, because we're but, hitting the script now, and the script is the weak part. Right. Yep. The script is yeah. where this 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 film. I, I won't say falls apart, but it, it is at best it's it's Achilles' heel. Um, and I think well, yeah, but but now, can't, can't we say that about Star Wars and, and the stupid thing about the the Force? I mean, that's you know that all that is, is you know. So I mean, it's no. does, it, does it really matter? Right? It didn't matter in Star yes. Wars, right? Yeah, because when Luke is alone at the end of uh, the the attack on the Death Star, we have seen everybody around him blown up, so we know why he's suddenly alone. Well, and with that with that line of thought, Phil, you could say the same thing about Jurassic Park Dominion. Well, that was yeah. yeah well, that, well, that, that, that was. I'm just saying. <laughs> I enjoyed that film for what it was. I'm not saying there weren't problems with it, and it wasn't problematic, <laughs> but it was entertaining to me. Right, but the difference between that film and this film, you could argue, again, even if the plot. We're, 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 you know, having problems with the screenplay. This film is going to be remembered as a classic, while Jurassic World Dominion is just going to be remembered as a fun B movie, you know, in a in a, a tired tired franchise similar to you know Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween franchises. Maybe it's still yeah, a fun movie and people will enjoy it, but it's not yep. going to be considered a great film, right? I'm not sure if this is going to be remembered as a classic um, because again, it's it's a matter of how much does it stand the test of time. I still don't know why people have gone to this movie, if it's because they just love the first film so much, or if it's because they are well, having like people the repeat, fan of the spectacle yes. and want to see the 3D. And we see people seeing it over, you know, more than once, too, right? I mean, that's the only way you can make that much money, too, is, is that you get repeat viewers, right? Right. But so, is it the – and this was, this was the argument. Did people enjoy – Avatar and now Avatar Way of Water as a story, as a film, or did they enjoy it as an amusement park ride? Well, I think one way you're going to find on, that out yeah. is going to be how does it do on home video? Because you're not going to get, for the most part, you know, most people don't own 3D TVs, right? So yeah. uh, if they don't end up buying the, the, the disc the same way, uh, if it doesn't have long legs on, like Netflix or something like that, then then maybe then they're not oh. invested in this world. They're just invested in seeing this spectacle in the theater. Maybe, but I think that's a little too easy to say because again, th- this this film, I mean, 
it's going to be one of the top grossing films of all time, you know, uh, inflation or not, because people have something to like about it. It has to be more than just the 3D. Well, and for example, like Avatar, when it came out, there was all the Cirque du Soleil stuff that came out, you know, copying it, doing yeah. stuff. Um, I mean, it was pretty big. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and even not everybody's going to like it. Just, I mean, my wife thinks Star Wars is stupid, you know, So and, and thinks Marvel is stupid, you know, and, and that's just her preference. You know, I mean, it doesn't mean um, she's wrong, while all the people who see an Avatar and Avatar 2, and like you said – uh, Barrett, you know, they made a theme park. I know, I know, you know, Mike, you have your, your, the things you say about it. And then, and then like you said, the circuit of soul Barrett and all these other things, the Lego sets. I mean, I mean, they, they may not have a McDonald's happy meals with avatars or the, the six or 12 inch figures. But again, you know, maybe Lego said we want to own the entire marketing rights of it. So, no, you can't sell it to other people. I, you know, you can't sell it to Mattel or whatever company exists now. I don't even know if Mattel exists anymore. But you know what I'm saying. So I don't know, Mike. I don't. I, I know. I see your point, but I think well, the, you're right, being a little the question too is harsh. really. No, I mean the question remains: Is this something that is going to have much cultural purpose purchase long term? And I don't know that we've answered that question. And I think this is a certainly more evidence in favor of it doing that. Yeah. But I'm oh, not I, I, really sure, yeah. like, how much do people love these characters, love this world, and yeah. how versus how much do they love the fireworks? Well, and that's the curiosity. I'm, is, I'm not saying that they don't. I'm saying I don't know. I think it's and, still a very much an open question because well, we did not hear a whole lot of people like talking about Avatar for the last decade. Well, well, and, and well, that's that's the thing is is that would we have heard everybody talking about Star Wars if they yes, have yes, we did. Have, I don't I don't think so. We, the reason we did was because they had two sequels that came out within a, uh, a four year period four years following. Here if they just had the one standalone film would it be remembered or not? That's a fair question. I mean it'll always be remembered but would it become the cultural icon that Star Wars was? Would Star Wars have been the cultural thing it was if they didn't have the two films that followed up that were as good as the. Well, as I the think first. one of the things that makes a difference is that Star Wars merchandised itself. That's that true. there were Star Wars novels and comics in between the films, and remember, there was a long gap between the first trilogy, the second trilogy, and the third trilogy, in which it, it did things but, to keep itself in the public yeah, that's eye. True. That's true. And Avatar didn't, but that's still a matter of whether or not it's going to get that much of a uh, of a cultural purchase whether it's so, going to have so that much of if you have a 14 a year foothold and longevity if you have a 13 year period between the two and both of them did become become two of the top grossing films of all time it, with that gap even without all that stuff that you just mentioned mike that didn't make it i guess the the talked about over and over like star wars was the the thing is is i, I think that gives it promise because it came out 13 years later and it became as big as the first it has one. promise but like i said i want to imagine imagine if they did it evidence. back to back to back like star wars it, it, i bet you it would be well it's going to because you're only gonna have yeah. two years to wait till the next one yeah that's true, that's true. and and in between like i said i want to see look i'm sorry if, if, if people want to just revisit the world of avatar yeah. period yeah. anytime they want then it should do well on Netflix or Disney Plus. It should yeah. do uh, 
it should do well selling the 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 Blu-rays and the and the 4K disc. Probably. Yeah. Right. So so that's part of what I'm going to be looking at to see right. how much is it that people just want to go back in the theaters and see it in theaters, yeah. and how much of it is it that they want that that they just love this these characters, this world. It's funny. I'm just saying it's to me it's still an open question. That's it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And and, and not to, to pick on you, but I I think you have a, a personal bias towards a couple of franchises uh, over well, Avatar. Yeah, anyway. but I think this is not a thing that I'm just introducing here. I'm not the first person to raise these questions, and I said I think this does a long way to settle some of those those debates as to what people's interest in this is. But it, I think it helps that he had the goods that the film delivered on that spectacle. No question. Right. Right. That was what people were talking about with, uh, to a large degree when that first film came out. And, and, and to be honest, though, a lot of people said it was the best film of the year and should have won all Academy Awards, which it, it was nominated for most of them. So, uh, you know, you always – and this is a different era, too, because now we have the internet era, right? So you have – You had the internet person, in 2009, too. No, but you, we have a real internet now where you have a person that 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 you know can go on Twitter that has 200 followers and and do a hashtag and then boom it blows up and and everybody will just start ripping it and stuff it, or they they could say it's the greatest thing ever so it's a little different because people who didn't have a voice in the past now suddenly have a voice I mean we're podcasters and we have a uh, a voice and you know in 2009 we had no voice so. I I don't know, Mike. I I I think you st- I still think you're just a little too harsh. But your points are valid. Your points are valid. I'm asking questions, Bill. There's nothing. Yeah. Um, there's no harshness in asking a question. That that's why I'm saying you're valid. Absolutely, absolutely. So they're all valid. Absolutely. I I I'm just wondering if those questions, the answers that you think may occur, are, are a little too harsh. I guess I'm not. I'm not. I'm not upset at all about the questions by any means. I, I think you, you're having your own bias here that you want it to be seen as something that it may or may not turn out to be. Um, you, you know, yeah, well, I've always, as you know, in the type of person that I'm not a huge fan of the Avatar series, but I'm the type of person that uh, always goes for the underdog in the sense that even though this ain't no underdog, I'm the type that always goes against the grain. Where so when the the negative stuff comes, I'll support. You know, I I I I like Stannis, King Stannis. Uh, you know, because everybody's pissing on him. I go, no, he's right. So I, well, the idea, the fact that you have to uh, con- that you consider, or even thinking about this being against the grain for a film that's just had uh, made two billion dollars, may tell you that there's there's something more to that. Well, that it is a slam dunk cultural icon know, that. But we do know that you want that, it to be that the uh, minority voice, uh, you know, the silent majority always gets pissed on, and and the, and the minority voice gets all the noise. Because you, you don't they, root for the silent majority, Phil. Your films are not silent majority films. No, the opinions. I'm talking about the opinions. But again, you know, that's that's. Fair. I, I mean, we, you know, we, we we can go mo- move on to the next topic anyway. This this part of the topic was basically, is is the film going to have a legacy or not? And it'll have some legacy. But the question is, right? We'll, neither of us know 
what type of legacy it's going to have. Uh, it may have a pretty good legacy if the next couple of films are pretty big too, especially if it becomes, but, but I don't know, you know, I mean, Indiana Jones, even before, even before the fourth film, how, what was that? It's legacy, you know, compared to, well, um, and I'll, and I'll yeah. argue that one too, because they've done nothing to keep that franchise in the right. public eye since the last film. And yeah, that film didn't do well. I mean, I'm sure it made money, but yeah. you know, was not well received. I don't hear a lot of kids saying, "Well, they can't wait to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny." That is true. Yeah. Ooh, those lights just flashed. Fingers crossed that I don't lose power. Um, so, uh, Barrett, what else did you want to bring up? Uh, what did we miss? That that was an interesting uh, well, topic. Yeah. So I brought up things that I dislike. Some of the things I like, like I I really enjoyed the act action sequences at the very end of the movie um and especially the whales fighting the the ships and attacking yeah. the ships that was a lot of fun yeah 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 the, the the battle scenes were pretty awesome the uh the monsters meaning the the whales were similar to the things we would have saw in in Star Wars or or something like that um you know, uh, Starship Troopers, all that stuff. So, so I would concur. Those those were pretty awesome scenes. Um, the action sequences have been fantastic, as we as Mike mentioned. James Cameron is, is just just on action sequences alone. He's he's arguably, if not the greatest, uh, most certainly one of the greatest directors of all time when it comes to action scenes. Um, so I, I think I think you're you're spot on, Barrett, by by yeah, saying I mean- that. Oh, I, was gonna, I noticed, like, the uh, first time I remember having a problem with an action scene that I can remember uh, was going back to uh, The Rock, which was uh, an early Michael Bay film. Oh, yeah, and there that. was a car chase in there that just kept going on and on and on. Yeah. And, you know, that was when yeah. I realized that you kind of need to have good pacing for an action film, action right. sequence. And, can and who wants welcome. to see cars when you want to see Alcatraz? Anyway, continue. Well, that's a whole other thing. But... <laughs> Um, Cameron, like the, the, the final battle in Avatar, uh, was like 20 minutes, but it was broken up into stages. It wasn't the same thing over and over again. He found ways to shake up, shake it up and have variety are that, you know, that with Arch and the mech and, and the, uh, fighting on, on the, the backs of the dragons or whatever the hell they're called, um, versus, uh, you know, you know, getting a up close and personal in the hand to hand combat. There's all sorts of ways to shake up a long action sequence uh, that can make it feel broken up. That makes doesn't make it feel like the same repetitive action over and over again. Sure. And I think he does that really well. He paces the action sequence very, very well. Yeah, and he and he also also uh, can split splice it correctly too, where where you know the his action sequences are a lot of times ensemble. So you know you have one part that's fighting, and then suddenly he cuts to these other group of people fighting. You know, like in this movie here, they, he shows the the uh, the Marines or, or or the PT boat people fighting, and what happens there, and then he switches back to Stephen Lang's character and and whatnot, and and it, it's like. The cuts are perfect. There's no like, oh damn, why did he switch over? You know, so uh, I think that that is strong too about him is that he knows how to make an, a very awesome ensemble uh, battle scenes. Because yeah. anyway, no, I, I think that's unfortunately this is the thing where I wish 
this is a problem when we review films in theaters, especially when I, I saw this a month ago now. Um, yeah, yeah. Trying to remember the beats of the action of what happened in the action is kind of hard to do. Uh, yep. You know, like, well, yeah. How much did the action reflect character development, all that stuff? But <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I he can certainly get good action. He can get you know the, that a good fight. You know, like you take, I, I have certainly seen this in uh, a number of superhero films where you have a one CGI character fighting another CGI character, and you're like, okay, that's boring because there's no real people in it. Well, here you have no real people fighting you know, blue one blue person fighting another blue person, but I still still think you get the drama and the tension in it. Except um, for the PT boats, those were people. Those are humans. No, but I'm talking specifically about that, where where you have Jake yeah, fighting yeah. Warwick. Sure, sure, right, right, right. Um, and, and I think that's a matter of somebody who understands how to do the action, sort of like when you get a really good horror director uh, who knows that you have to have the audience invested in a kill, and to have that shock to have them care about the character, as opposed to somebody who just thinks all you need for a kill is to have a knife go into somebody's throat. You know, you right, have to have right. that. Have to tell even the action scenes have to have a story to them. Uh, the kills have to have a story to them. Yeah. You know, it's not just a sequence of, of this happens and this happens and this happens. Right, right. Yeah, and and Cameron is still a, a master again at telling a story. You know, at letting it unfold uh, on the screen in an entertaining way and in a very well paced manner. I think the the in between stuff maybe questionable i think you might have some yeah i i like i said it's uh he needs to work a little bit on his nuance but it's not something he's ever been very good with he's never been mr subtle um right right that's true that's true you know i i, I never cared for uh like the the billy zane character in titanic who was oh, i hated his too. character yeah yeah well, not and, because and he's not a villain but because he's a stock he's a stock villain Right, he's, he's a, a stock villain. He's a mustache twirler, and not the Vincent Price, Ricardo Montalban, yeah, on kind of sort of way. He's just, it's just so ridiculously over the top for what it should be. Since it's a real event, a real historical event, he should have felt more like a real character, and he doesn't. Um, nope. But that that's that's kind of Cameron's heel, and you know, maybe he needs a new writing partner. To help him with some of these worst tendencies, you know, this is a a thing that I think we can talk about time and time and time again with a lot of these directors who write their own material who have been successful and, uh, you know, they they don't. And you can and you can talk about George Lucas for that too. Um, right, M Night Shyamalan at some points. Yeah, well, M Night Shyamalan was like a really good example because what happened. Is that eventually it seems he, um, you know, he 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 gets humble, right? He he has to kind of do what other people are telling him to do. He can't just he doesn't get carte blanche anymore, right? To, right. To just yeah, especially if he wants, he wants to keep his career, right? Right. Otherwise, he was going to be forced to go to B films, and, and he, right. even in his upcoming film. Is is a, whether he wrote the script or not, which I'm not sure, uh, is based off of a novel. So so it's not like it's his original material, you know. So so that's fair. I mean, I do have to say though, with James Cameron, uh, the Stephen Lang character, you know, I mean, it is kind of the gruff uh, marine that we've seen in his film Aliens and and whatever. But 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 I don't consider that villain 
to be an issue. I, I felt he was better than, say, the Billy Zane character from Titanic's. Well, he seemed and again, to be it had nothing through... to do with Billy Zane. Billy Zane was fine. He was excellent in that. But but the character obviously had some issues. But yeah, go on, Bert. He seems to actually have change in this movie. Like, <laughs> the the events unfold and he seems to be affected by them. He doesn't just stay the same yeah, guy through the whole movie. I mean, he is right. bad through the whole. Yeah, movie. Yeah, he's, he's still quest to be, but he's at least a thinking man now, rather than just full villain. That right. he's, well, even in the first one, he was he was the first half. He was a different character than he was in the second half. But the range were were, were fairly steady in both halves. In this one, his character, even if he was Cluster B, he still um, grew or thought things through, even if they were evil or not evil. Right. Well, because I think they make it clear he is not who he was. Right. Um, he is yeah. memories. Yeah. He even says that. But to, he isn't to, exactly to the, that person. To his son, he goes, I can, I'm not really your father, even though you, I'm, I, I kind of am. Yeah, right. Because his mind is, but he knows specifically that this isn't really my blood relative. So, and he also knows he's not the same person he was when he was a human. And then even when he finds his corpse from the from the first film in this film, he crushes the skull. And again, that that may be a hint that he really does think he's the same person, but he's trying to refuse to be the same person because he knows it's just his mind and not his true essence. But uh, all those things are, are interesting to build that character to be what it is in this film. And, and I felt that character was one of the stronger things and not the stock villain that they could have gone. And I'm glad he didn't. And, and when they brought him back at the very beginning of the film, I thought, is this really the best idea? Not from the right, point of view Right, here we go again, of, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Just, here we go again, but... The last time they decided to stick a bunch of people in blue cat bodies, they ended up going native and getting them kicked off world. So now what we're going to do, instead of putting a bunch of scientists in blue cat bodies, we're going to take our very best soldiers and put them in blue cat bodies. Right. It's like, is is that really, do you think, because did you bother to think what's going to happen if they go native too? And I think that's going to be where they end up going. And certainly when the son ends up saving his life at the end, uh, I was like, okay, um, it's not going to happen in this film. Next one may not happen in the (laughs) next film. It may happen in part four or five, but you're going to see Quaritch change sides. I, 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 he's totally going to do a Vader turn. And that's going to suck because I, I always hated that Vader turn because he was a mass murdering motherfucker that killed an entire planet. And, and yet they tried to make us like his Vader. defense as they showed us in the prequels, he murdered children. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. All right. So, so Vader is just a terrible. Per- well, he's not the it, one that destroyed the planet. It was actually. Well, Grand it, it was, Tarkin. Right, right, right. But, but <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But he was the one that was getting, you're right. But he's, he has blood and he's as guilty as yes, anybody. Right? Definitely so bad. I'm praying to God, if they turn this guy into a good guy, which I'm going to roll my eyes if they do, I hope they don't uh, think they will. Him and they still, and they still execute him for, for, for all the evil that he did. <laughs> That's one well, of the and it depends on, I have. It depends on your definition of evil too, because you know, they, they don't even look, I mean, what's an environmentalist 
when it comes to a foreign like, planet. I don't know. But anyway, continue, Bert. That's one of the things about movies in general that bugs the crap out of me, though, are redemption arcs for people that are so freaking evil oh, that, yeah. you know, they've killed children like Anakin right. did. Um, there's no right. coming back from that. Uh, yeah, you might do yeah. this one good thing, but you're not now, your soul is not purified from this one good act after right. a million bad uh, ones. Yeah, that was right. one of my complaints story-wise, uh, which, you know, there are a lot of complaints story-wise with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, was, uh, you know, you had the um, the character who unleashes all the monsters on the world. Millions of people have died, if not billions of people have died. But she says, I'm sorry to her daughter at the end, and suddenly we're supposed to feel empathy for her? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I, Oops, and I always... my bad. I used to always make make the joke. Um, there was there was a uh, Melrose Place. I, I I used to watch that, and there was a character uh, that was a doctor, and uh, the guy that played him, Peter Burns, uh, was the character I believe, and Jack Jack Wag, yeah, it was Peter Burns, and Jack Wagner played him, and um, he came in and he was a villain. In season three, where he tried, he was a medical doctor that was trying to kill <laughs> kill people in in the show. But the character and the actor were so well liked, they decided to keep him as a regular, and they turned him into a good guy. And it was stupid, and I didn't like it. But you know, it's just a stupid show, so it didn't really matter to me. And and the character was awesome, but. The point was, is he was he tried he broke the hypocritical hypocritical oath and he tried to mur- murder people. He was a bad guy in in that season three, I think it was, and they turned him into a good guy and and redemptive arc. And it was like that doesn't happen in the real world, right? Well, and, and, I mean that's that was uh, that's sort of like Venom in the comics, right? The the Spider Man villain, uh, yep. It was a villain, but he was really popular, and so they wanted to give him his own books, and so they yeah, turned him yeah, into oh, an anti-hero. Harley Quinn, and, too. Yeah, and Harley Quinn. And although Harley Quinn, there was a little bit of better justification for it. Um, but, but that's all But once, you, but once you do the evil stuff, okay, you can be forgiven by certain people and God and whatever, but you're still supposed to be in jail. Right. And so Venom and Holly Quinn and whatever, and this, this Jack Wagner's character, uh, Peter Burns and, and Darth Vader and, and Stephen Lang's character. I just hope they don't go that route. Well, I mean, it's I, not like I, Vader escaped jail. He died. Uh, well, that's true. There was never that's a true. trial. Right, right, right. And he was forgiven at the end by his son and all this other crap. And right, so, his son forgave him, and I, I don't know that the rest I don't of think the, anybody the universe this way. Right. But his right. spirit looked very happy afterwards. Yeah, well, right. that's a whole other. His forced yeah. spirit. Yeah, that was unfortunate, yeah. <laughs> and, and then he gets a special edition, and he's standing next to Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's like, why the fuck am I in a 71-year-old body, and you get to be Hayden Christensen now? Yeah, yeah, I remember, <laughs> they, I remember they changed that. Yeah, that was weird. Um. So, yeah, I, I mean... They they could go that route. I I I was curious why they did it. Where they? I, I mean, I I see why they they had him saved, but obviously him surviving, Stephen Lang's character surviving in this episode of the the series of Avatar. Obviously, they're bringing him back as something 
in the future. And I, I'm assuming he's going to be the antagonist again. But you're right; he may he may become an antihero or join the good side. Well, well you bring the up humans. the biblical allegories, right? So Cameron yeah. wants his yeah. um, his his Saul. He wants his Saul like, yeah. to be converted okay, on the road to Damascus. Yeah, right. yeah, right, right. So yeah. he's going to become the true believer, and because he's got to show that everybody in the end really does care about the environment. Yeah. <laughs> so you could be right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. If if you're going to go the full biblical thing, but again, though, God and the Father of the prodigal son are—that's a little different than this here. And also, this guy's a murderer, right? I mean, yeah. He, but let's also yeah. remember who. Uh, who is the god in this in this world? James Cameron. Oh, that no. that 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 tree thing. He also he also doesn't see himself as a murderer. He's part of a military and feels that these are all military operations. Just right, saying. right. No, and that's a fair point. Even though you know, based off of uh, the Geneva Convention, you can't just follow orders anymore, and and right. be okay with that. But you're right. In his eyes, he's he's pre Geneva Convention. He goes, "I'm just following orders, and this is what we're supposed to do." Well, we don't know. There's still a Geneva Convention, and, right. and, and if, if and aliens I'll, would be included in it, even right. That's what I was about to say. Is like, <laughs> what 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 is an eco ecosystem of a foreign planet? You know, that doesn't. I mean, right, exactly, and and that comes down to what is a, do sentient creatures have more rights, and and actually, does any animal have more rights if they're not from planet Earth? And and I don't know, you know, I mean, you you could say who knows what people or creatures people will think in the future. I don't know. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, you would think if the way we're going now, we would look at the foreign planet as a, an ecosystem we wouldn't want to hurt, and if you did, you're as bad as if you were doing it to Earth, but. I don't know. Oh, we would destroy it. Well, and it also depends on what, what we need. Yeah, it depends on the on the Earth <laughs> Earth government, right? I mean, if if it's if it's Z of China, you know, that's running Earth, and and he sent St uh, Stephen Lang's character, then we know that yeah, right, you can just you know, I can't about pollution. think of a government right now in our world that would not <laughs> try to profit off of finding anything out there. Yeah, 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 you're going to profit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just saying right now, you know, that could change in the future. I don't know. <laughs> sure, sure. Right, right. And, and, and well, right, because we have, we have, like I mentioned, you know, you the biggest polluters right now. Everybody rips the West and the U.S. But if you if you look, a lot, a lot of them are, are the dictatorships and whatever. They're polluting. They don't give a rat's ass, you know. I mean, they even have people in concentration camps. Certainly did when we were their position. Yeah. The difference is now that we've found our wealth, we want to look at these countries where people are impoverished and say, no, 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 but you can't get wealthy the way we did. <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and, well, and, and China's we, pretty and we've wealthy, back but, on, but that's what And we've cut back on our pollution, but why? Because who's doing most of our polluting for us? Who's who's doing most of our right. manufacturing for us? Who's doing right. most of our mining for right. us? Right. Well, I, I remember, this is the funniest story. Uh, I know it's a little tangent, but it's related to the environment stuff that we're talking about. I remember uh, back in the 90s, I was sent to Paris for work. And back at that point, all the styrofoam containers from McDonald's uh, had been phased out because, you know, styrofoam doesn't recycle like like paper and, and, and the cardboard boxes that Big Macs and, and stuff come in now. So I go to France, and it was four years after they were banned in the United States, those things, or, or McDonald's decided to pull it. And in France, they still have it. So... In other words, McDonald's was uh, kept it outside the country of the United States 
and this was Paris, France, which is first world nation too. Western well, because nation. it was probably had to do with what the what the laws allowed. Not it was. I don't think it was McDonald's right. doing it out it, of the goodness of their heart. Well, I think they did. In the, in the States, they did, because I remember it was a big thing where we're trying to be environment. I remember it clearly because everybody used to collect those those boxes, for those styrofoam boxes for stuff to, to use. And then I remember McDonald's phased them out, and they were saying it was for, for the environment and all this. And then when I went to Fret Paris and it was still there, it's like, oh, so it had nothing to do with it. It had to do with the public opinion. Oh, no, it's in PR. France, they were still, yeah, it was all PR. Because in France, they were, I was working and people were still smoking at their desks you know, white collar professionals. So while in the U S had already been banned to doing that. So, so yeah, it's all PR. It's, it was interesting to see that. So I, I think you could be right on spot on Barrett with everything you just said <laughs> about everything, you know, but, um, uh, back, back to, to the more specifics of the film the uh, yeah, where we left off was, yeah, Stephen Lang's character could have that arc where he could become, uh, uh, redeemed, and I, if they do it, I hope they do it in a way that will at least make sense rather than me, you know, someone like us rolling our eyes like, oh, my God, I can't believe they just. Well, yeah, pass. like like they yeah. should do something like them trying to, you know, like his own government trying to have him killed because he failed or something, something that would cause them to even more question. Right. Things. And what would the Navi? Why would the Navi accept them? Instead that, of just arresting that, him and killing him immediately for oh right. we have him now it's going yeah. right there'll, there'll and, be there, there will be a speech and you got to remember he killed he killed Sam Worthington's son right so, right so so how I mean I know there are people in the world that in the the real world our world that forgive murderers of their children but. Um, this guy is not just a murder of one person's child. This guy, you know, mass murdered the entire. It, it, it'll know, be one of two things, people, Bill. And soldiers. Sigourney Weaver's character. I mean, <laughs> it's either, either there's going to be a. That's true. Yeah. going to be a deeply impassioned speech. He knocked over the tree. Yep, the tree of life. Yep, the deeply impassioned speech. Okay. Or, or it'll be the self-sacrifice a la Vader. So that way you don't have to deal with the forgiveness thing. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah right. So you don't have to deal with the aftermath. It'll then just they'll be, have, oh, then well, they'll isn't have that the... nice that he died for our sins? Yeah. They'll have the moral quandary of how do I feel about him now? Right. Because <laughs> then, then, then you just roll credits and, and you ignore yeah. it on the next film. <laughs> right. Right. Similar, similar, similar to Vader. Right. And, and, and when Vader's funeral, it's only Luke there, no one else. So it's the question like, is, can right he now. die now? Can he die? I mean, they have his mind somewhere. Well, that's you the thing. Just make yeah. more copies. Yeah. yeah. Right. Is this going to be like Arnold like, fighting maybe. Arnold in the Terminator 7 or something? Why right. do they even need an immortality drug when they can just make bodies and put minds into them? Why right. is it that they can well, clone because... the Navi bodies with such a degree of reliability that they can uh, successfully well, reproduce with the actual Navi, but they right. can't somehow find a way to just replicate the the brain drippings of the of the whales using their DNA. That's true too. <laughs> that too yeah. yeah. Right, right. Right. Well, and, now and, those are those are those are to me those are nit, nitpicky plot points, and I, those are not the kind of things. Right. right. That and we, I'm, and I'm Mike, going... we, Mike, me and you have had the discussion before. It may have been went over the head of Eric or, or other co-hosts. I don't know. But when we were talking once, me and you we were talking about are we the same person if we're 
you know, we are beamed up uh, by Scotty because we got disintegrated and then we're back, put together. Very or good questions. If, or if our brain is put into a computer, are we really the same person if our body dies and our brain dies, but our memories are in a, in a bit, you know, zeros and ones, are we still really the same person? I, I don't think so. And well, either, you start getting into the question of, is there a soul then, <laughs> too? Right, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. They, right, they are right. they are nitpicky questions, Mike, but they do go through my brain when I'm sitting there watching it and going, yeah. huh, why didn't they do this? <laughs> right. right. Well, and that's not just Avatar. That's all, a lot of movies. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. That that that's that's the that that's I think within the more normal parameters uh, of story contrivance. Um, yeah. But I mean, have you heard of the the the, the philosophical question of the the ship of Theseus? Go ahead, explain it. Well, the ship of Theseus, I guess, when you know, so that uh, museum has a has a ship in its museum, and over the years, the 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 uh, ship decays and rots away, and they keep having to replace one part after the other after the other. At what point? Uh, at what point is it does a new ship? ship? Is it a new right. ship? Or right. uh, if you remember the old comedian uh, and now sadly past comedian um, uh, Harry Anderson, I think. Had a had a, a bit in his routine where he pulls out an axe. He said, "This is this is George Washington's axe." Uh, he said, "Now the the handle broke a while ago, so I had to get a new handle. But otherwise, this is this is George Washington's axe." And then uh, and then the blade the blade uh, got dull, so I had to replace that. But other than that, this is this is George Washington's axe, right? right so right. it's a new handle and it's a new blade, but it's still George Washington's axe, right? You're just replacing it. And Which by the way, so your body replaces its cells every like seven years or so. So when did you stop being you? Yeah. Well, and that brings up Legos again, because we were talking about this with old sets. You know, if you're missing a piece and you get a new piece, is it still the same old set? <laughs> so it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, obviously, this film didn't go into those philosophical things like, say, other films that we've seen in the past that may have, like, you know, uh, Blade Runner by Ridley Scott or whatever. But it, it it is aspects of the story, even if. It's not answered, or even the main plot. That's for sure. Yeah. You gonna say something, Mike? Yeah. So, um, I did want to get to my comment. I because I, I guess you didn't understand what I was referring to when I was talking about Jesus. And yeah, yeah, I was gonna. Oh, yeah. About that. Yeah. yeah. Space Jesus, right? Who there? There's a character on this uh, in this film that that appears to commune directly with the Avatar yes, God and seem to have been immaculately conceived. That's the Sigourney Weaver, uh, da- that's the Sigourney character. Weaver character, right? Yeah, and yeah, right. she, she, she is a peripheral character for most of the story. I mean, other than the fact that she is uh, like best friends with uh, Spider yeah. and the uh, Parch's son, yeah. uh, and oh, and, and, and the youngest daughter well. too, right? She she watches the youngest daughter, and she watches the youngest daughter. But basically, you do see her every now and then trying to commune with the land. And she has yes. a moment where she has a seizure because she touches, uh, was it touch the tree or the equivalent of the the water yeah. equivalent of the tree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she sees sees Sigourney Weaver's character as a soul in the tree. Yeah. Right. Oh, and then she and then sees, the, yeah, she sees some other stuff too. But yeah, go on. Yeah, she she really has nothing to do with in the film. That's true. But at the end, they have her make a, a breakthrough. And she leaves a trail of breadcrumbs in the form of glowing algae to lead the characters out of the wreckage 
of the boat because those characters have apparently suddenly forgotten how to get out of where they got themselves into. It just felt like it's. Or the, or, know, or the, like, or the, I, I was okay with that because they glue glowed, I guess is the word, which, which makes sense because again, this is pitch black underwater. You wouldn't be able to see anything. Right. So I went with it because of that. But that they would get lost. It just felt like to me it was a we 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 we've been doing nothing with her. We need to pay it off to set up something in the next film. Sure. And I, I don't know that they had done a lot to really earn that. I kind of rolled my eyes at the uh, Chekhov's jellyfish. That was also a scuba suit. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like well, it's, oh look, what is this? This is a fish that helps us breathe underwater that we will never use. And my back of my head is saying, except until the final act of the film, when somebody needs to get their way through water that that they can't hold their breath through. Right. And and again, that's not a big deal because we, on the Dark Discussions podcast, always say the Chekhov this or the Chekhov, because, you know, Chekhov's gun, but then we go, oh, that's the Chekhov villain or that's the Chekhov pencil or that, you know, so these things that we see, we even now have a new category at the end of the best of the year, the the, the best Chekhov, right? Well, so and they it, tell you in writing what to is. have foreshadowing, you know, so. Yeah. There's right. all, that's part of storytelling is having right. something shown well, I mean, that isn't necessarily obvious, but in in these cases, what we're talking about is obvious. But <laughs> right. well, and again, that's, what the right, that, that, yeah. that's it. It's the it's the uh, the obviousness of it. The, when the Chekhovs work, I think really well is when they're less obvious. Yeah, sure. Um, that they're not going to to, to pay off. Now, I can't tell you. Uh, that I knew in 1977 when I saw Star Wars that it was going to be check uh, that was Chekhov's close your eyes and use the Force to finish things off because I was six years old. Uh, yeah. But I know if I was watching Star Wars for the first time now, I would totally see that and go, oh, "Okay, this is how he's going to, you yeah. know, beat the big bad or something at the end." This is that that will be the same thing like with Karate Kid. Right. You go, it was Chekhov's crane technique, right, 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 um, and it, that that's down. But you know. That stands out as obvious when you know to look for it. Uh, and once you know to look for it, it's hard not to. Well, and I think but in movies, this... it's more obvious than it is in books. Right. Because of in, the medium. Yeah, what was, one, the, was, what was the crane technique so obvious again? Because it was disconnected from everything else. What was the, the crane, crane? That's where he kicks him in the face at the very end. Of course, you know, that gets by. You're not supposed to kick in the face. But, wait, 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 no, in, what no movie? in what movie? Karate Kid. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I see what you're saying. If done correctly, no can defend. Right. And then in Karate Kid two, it doesn't work because they all know it. Yes. But but anyway, um, yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I remember one that I I picked up immediately, and this was when I was younger. uh, Rogers and Vegas. I think that's the director's name. uh, That did What Lies Beneath, and and there's the mouse where he's a, a he works at like. Dartmouth University or something, Harrison Ford's character, and and he has the the mouse that they paralyze, but it's not really paralyzed. And why did they show us that? Unless he's going to use that later in the film, and, and boom, they did it. And so, so that was my first, I think, understanding of a checkoff. And but I think uh, that's I think that's less obvious than this. Yeah. Oh, you, you're probably right because I I, I was shocked that I, I I picked that up because I could see a lot of people not picking that up at all. So th- I, I would concur with you on that. Th- this was more of a obvious one, yeah. Especially if they didn't use it right away and they just use it 
um, you know, two hours later, they suddenly use it. You know, it's not referenced again for two hours. I did like, I liked when her connection was a little more subtle, like when she was able to stay underwater longer and stuff like that. But once it was like pushed in your face, it was kind of overly obvious. And I didn't, but but I, I don't want to criticize it that much. And I'll tell you why is because they set this world up. James Cameron set this world up, even in the first film that there was a religious, Geyer or God, you know, whatever you want to call it, whether whether it's our God or, or their God. But either way, they had this this being all set up in the mysticism and not like Star Wars in the force, but that life itself on this planet had some sort of uh, being, uh, you know, because they had to you know, try to reincarnate. Full on cordyceps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so so I can't fault it that much. Now, why if you, if you go back the to the interviews at the time, why they have the 14-year-old have Sigourney Weaver's connection that is a little too convenient just to have Sigourney Weaver in the film, but I understand how they have these mystical things in it based off of the first one. Now, Mike, you were saying something? If you go back to the I think they even going as far back as as the time the, that film was released for its immediate aftermath, he already knew what he wanted to do with Sigourney Weaver. He had this basic thing in mind because uh, I, I remember him saying he was, that they were going to bring her back for the next film. Uh, now, look, a lot of time has passed. Maybe it wasn't then. I thought it was. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, feel, please feel free to let to uh, send us an email and complain. Uh, but. Yeah, he, so I think this is a thing that a seed that he's had planted for a long, long time. It's why he spent so much time establishing that connection between her and the uh, and Gaia or whatever the the Navi planet god is called. Yeah, because yeah, otherwise they could have just killed her off and had nothing happen. But they right. took right. her to there and they connected her to it and all that. Right. So. Well, and and even if they decided to have her as the spirit. He obviously decided that he wanted her more than just, you know, in the in the heaven or the spirit world. They he obviously wanted her to somehow come back as as some sort of being, and and the connection of her and and the daughter is the way that he's. I guess he's doing it without have, actually having her fully reincarnated. I guess. Well, and remember, he wanted. Uh, one of the reasons we waited so long was again getting the technology right. Uh. This yeah. may have been one of those things he needed to have done right was to be able to do Sigourney Weaver as a child, because it's so much better to spend two hundred million dollars or four hundred million dollars on a film than to you know just hire a child actor. Um, you could be right, even though you're being facetious. Oh. But yeah, I, I I see your point. I mean, no, I I I don't know. I mean, maybe he always wanted Sigourney Weaver back in the film, even though he killed her off, and uh, maybe he decided in the past 11 years or 13 years, whatever it was to say, well, I don't want her to just have her computer brained down into another being similar to Stephen Lang's character. He wanted to do it through the mystical way to do it, I guess. I don't know, but well, yeah, that, par- that parallel there is interesting as well. That is an interesting parallel. You're absolutely right. A, a, a computer mechanical machine, industrial way to do it, or the, the the biological environmental way to do it so it yeah. is a, a, a blatant um 180 that's true 
Yeah. So the biological way to achieve immortality, of course, is by killing whales. <laughs> Sucking out a very minuscule part of their brain and then leaving the carcass to rot. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least at least the whales and and Moby Dick uh were weren't just boiling it for for oil, but they were they had used some of the food too. So yeah, it's a little different versus here. Um Anything else anybody wanted to bring up that we yes. haven't talked about? Yes, go ahead. I really like that Jermaine Clement was in it. Um, he's I really enjoy him in every role he's in, and he was great as the doctor on the the little uh, fishing boat. Um, anyway, that's just my little sidebar thing there. Right. He he was the one that seemed like he was okay with the whaling, basically as long as he kept drinking. Yes. Like he wasn't like he's kind of like yeah, this is what we're doing now. Was he the guy? He wasn't the guy that had his arm ripped off, was he? No, that asshole deserved to have his arm cut off. I liked, I liked his character though. He was pretty. He, he was, he was interesting. I, I kind of liked his character, even though. Well, he was kind of like the Muldoon character, right? The the hunter, the the guy who's really into it, and you know, the the crazy obsessed guy, uh, is obsessed with killing the whales. So right, 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 and, and yet his his logic was interesting too, because he he wasn't like a true villain. In the sense that, in other words, he had purpose. He wasn't just a sociopath. It was interesting. I, I, that's was, why I liked his character. He was character. trying to make money, yeah. It was more yeah. about money for him than about the killing. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything was logic. It, it's just that the logic was, uh, unfortunately, going to possibly wipe out certain creatures. So, <laughs> Genocide, but, yeah. And, and, but, but he, wasn't, he wasn't a sociopath like, say, Anton Chigurh's logic from, from No Country from Old Man. He was, he right. was like... Yeah, so it was an interesting character. It was it was well written. I felt I liked his character a lot. Well, and let's be let's be let's be honest about this. If we found out tomorrow that there was a chemical in dog brains that allowed humans to live forever, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, all the dogs line. are going to die. Yeah, they're yeah. all going to die. If that's yeah. the only way to get that chemical, yeah, they're all going to die, and and, yeah. and we're not going to look for an alternative. <laughs> well, the, the way we come up with that's what we're going to use. Right, right. And the chance you're going to get an alternative is, is, is limited anyway. So, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, also, I, I was kind of bummed that Edie Falco's character, the, the general woman, she she didn't get killed. I felt well, she was she barely was, in it. She's she's not going to be. But she was. She was like until probably the next film. That's what I'm guessing. Or the film too. after. Because she seemed the like the after. she seemed like the real villain after Stephen Lang's character. Not including, in other words, the the people that got wiped out on the PT boats were just like they they. It was really her. I felt that was the the dink. But you're right. Since she's still alive, she could make it appear in the next one. Absolutely. Well, not to go Nuremberg on you, but I mean, she is still a soldier. She is the one following orders. She's not the one who's saying, you know, she's. She's perfectly fine carrying him out. Don't get me wrong, yeah. uh, but the the villains here are really the you could argue we're going to be the the politicians and the or the the corporations yeah. who came. Yeah, up she, with she was more decision. like like the head of uh of uh uh what what are those big imperial ships in, in Star Wars called? I forget what they called them. The Star Destroyers. Yeah, she was like an admiral of the Star Destroyer. That that type of villain, not not like the person you know pulling the. She had no issues following the rules, but. It wasn't like she would, like, yeah, all right, let's just kill all these people. She would, she's just waiting for the rules. Like, okay, I'll do it because you told me to. She's not like, I'm going to do it because I want to. 
But because she didn't care, she she was a pretty good villain, I felt. Yeah. Um, let's see. Anything else? Anyone? Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So we've been oddly we we talked about all the peripherals and and the interesting aspects and the cultural stuff more than in the, the plot itself. And I, I guess um, that's fine because a, a lot of the stuff are interesting topics to talk about specific to this film and, and what Cameron put in it um, and, and, and the reaction around it then, then really, I mean, I mean, we could have talked about, well, the plot, I mean, the story itself fun. is pretty basic, right? So yeah. uh, the humans come back, they want to kill Jake Sully. Jake Sully runs away to discover fish and then the bad guys find Jake Sully and battle ensues. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. yep. That sums it up. And they set it up for the the next film. Yeah. Um. What? Let me ask you. Oh, yeah. No, we we already talked about it. I was going to say what. Let's talk about the the human son of Stephen Lang. But we kind of generally did. They they set it up where is he going to betray or he's not? Is he going to betray or not? And 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 whatnot. And I could have seen, seen him go either way. Um. But but it uh, it kind of went uh. Both, with him leaning to the Navi, which which made well, sense, he starts bonding with his dad a bit. And, right, and he sees the humanity things. of his dad, even if his dad is a of cluster B. Right, and and he the humanity, the humanity. Um, yeah. you know, and that those are going back to his people, and he was for better, for whatever reason, you know, he was taken away from them when he was very young. Yeah. Uh, but he's still also he's not he never like completely turns, you know. It's still right. his dad, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and his, his dad. Yeah, and he still didn't hate humans, right? I mean, I don't hate. You know, it's not like like some of the the really bad uh, tropes where they hate their their original ancestry. You know, he didn't hate anybody. It was fairly no, not like Eric. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a joke for co-host Erica of the Dark Discussions podcast for folks who don't know what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, so I, 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 yeah, right. So I, I felt his character. Yeah, I think they they got him spot on because he he was in a, in a situation where he was left behind. He he joined the Navi, treated him well, but he still understood that he was a human being. And he didn't hate the humans, even if and, – and he also doesn't just group people together like a lot of people do in the real world, which is as long as there's a handful of good humans, you can't say all humans are evil. And he knows he's a human and he knows he's good, and so he doesn't just say that all humans are evil because if he does, then he's he's – damning himself too but i don't think he's doing it for selfish reasons i think he's doing it for logical reasons and good reasons not because he's he doesn't want to call himself evil so i, I felt the character was 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 really good and and, and also the, say uh i yeah, i make a hit on the film a bit uh for it, you know it being overly black and white uh, particularly in terms of the environmental issues and like i have to basically create a completely fictional world in order to make their arguments. But um, one of the things I did like that they did is that the, uh, the sea people, whatever you want to call them are not yep. immediately like welcoming their brothers with open arms. Right. When they arrive, you know, there is, so they, so the they even then have a little, yeah. 
Yeah, there is there is tribalism, and let's be honest, they're different colors. They you know they sure are. So, yep. Tail versus so, blue, right? Tail versus blue, right? So so if, <laughs> if, 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 if this was if, if this was a a human set storyline, we would just call it racism. Uh, yeah, yeah, So absolutely. I appreciate yeah. the fact that even though, uh, yeah, it wasn't just just language and culture, like you know Germany and and France or Germany and Spain or Italy and Slovenia. It was actually different people of colors. One's one's right. cyan and what one's blue. So that's right. And yes, there and there were minor physiological differences like the tail and and stuff like that, and a little bit in the body shape. Yep. Uh, but like I, said, I just appreciate the fact that he had, that he gave that little tribe its its flaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it made it feel more realistic too, because like we said later in the film, where everybody just joins together, happy family against the, the invaders. When a lot of that would you know when when, when the Soviets and and the the Americans and the French and the British decided to fight the Nazis together. It wasn't because they were became buddy buddies. It was because we just have to get rid of this other enemy before we have to fight each other. So I, I felt I felt this was more realistic, and they didn't just go with that harmony, peace, and pacifism nonsense that they could have gone because the differences can be jarring to a, a tribe when someone appears that isn't like them. And it's not, I wouldn't even call it the blatant, you know, a blanket of racism or bigotry. I would call it more of, um, I guess, like you said, simply tribalism or, or even even um, caution, in a sense. You know, why are you well, here? Well, I've, I've always said, not to justify it, but, you know, humans are tribal creatures and it makes sense evolutionarily it makes sense outsiders can present danger and and like it or not tribes were often heavily inbred that meant there were certain physical similarities and so people who look different from you right you would be suspicious from it is a natural tendency it is not saying it's a good tendency but we can recognize it understand it and overcome it but if we keep denying that it's there and that it's an innate trait Um, and about it, it's not just physical appearances, things like they've done studies where language is a big thing, you know, people that speak a different language. It's like, well, those are clearly foreigners, right? They're clearly not part of my tribe. Um, and you just have to recognize it, overcome it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the new world nations, meaning, meaning North and South America, and, and you can throw in Australia and, and a couple other places where people are, Originally, one group of folk, when the the dominant group takes over, as other people come in and they assimilate, you know, an Italian person, you know, can disappear into the melting pot versus, say, an Italian person that still speaks Italian, and you're going to immediately stick out. So, obviously, that is more difficult with people of color because – even if if a Chinese person and their ancestors can speak English and become part of the melting pot, you still see a distinct difference because of physical differences, not cultural or language differences or religious differences. So it, it's an interesting aspect. Yet, if you look at a Italian person or a Chinese person from the foreign world, country, 
you're going to both immediately know that they're they're quote unquote foreigners because they're not speaking the language or or whatever. So the difference is is their ancestors one can mold in and disappear because they're come from the same general area of the world that you know the english folk that say live in canada or the us or whatever so it is it is a curiosity so you're absolutely right mike that the cultural differences are as important as as and the language differences are as important as i guess the person of color differences at least for the beginning right it's it's like for example these navi folk here that come to the science water people you know we could say in 30 years from now or, or two generations later the blue people are going to disappear or, or mix in with the the science people and then they become the same people right but if they don't and they just keep on breeding with each other like you said the cultural differences will still remain the same and you'll still see the blue people and you'll still see the science people so and the next film is saying? going to give us the, I think, the Arctic people. So they'll be, I don't know, <laughs> probably. Pale. No, yeah. they, they, they've said it. That's that's oh, where they're going okay. with the next one. Gotcha. Oh, there you go. That's pretty cool. Okay, so yeah, we, so we're gonna have the, they're gonna have the snow people. So they're gonna be, yeah, they'll probably be pale, right? Yeah, exactly. And they'll have I remember it's, blonde I remember hair. They'll have white think, hair or blonde hair or something. What's that? All right. So this is going to be, I guess, what I said they should have done with this one. But him going around to all the various tribes is going to go see the snow people. He's going to sort of see the desert people, um, and maybe that's yeah. like four, three, four, five, because we're going to get new Navi with every film or something. Right. There um, could be lava I don't know people. how much variety he's going to come up with. Um, yeah, yeah, he could he could actually make up people, not just you know. Obviously, you know, you, when you say the desert people and that, and the snow people, we immediately know what what he's talking about. You know, the the desert people are the Middle Easterners or North African folk. The the snow people will be the Siberians or Mongols or or, or Norwegians and Viking types. But he could even create in future episodes lava people or just some weird people that there is no analogy to earth right so who knows what he'll do it'll be curious to see where he goes um but yeah there's some interesting things even if it's basic the plots there is some interesting things here um all right anything else anybody want to bring up we've been recording about two hours and 40 minutes anything all right so i i guess we can give our final thoughts um so uh uh first off uh Eric uh, is not here, so let's go with you, Barrett. Barrett, uh, what's that podcast that me, you, Mike, and Eric usually do weekly? Dark Discussions. And what's weekly, that podcast do? Yeah, weekly we talk about um, things in the horror genre. Yeah, usually. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Once in a while there'll be something else, but not very often. Fair enough. Yep. So uh, that's the the main podcast, original podcast of the network. And uh, Mike, uh, me, you, Barrett, and Sean Fox are doing a, a side podcast right now. About something about uh, cordyceps or something. Yes, this is the uh, the rise of the the cordyceps infected, a Last of Us podcast based on the HBO Max TV series The Last of Us, based on the PlayStation video game The Last of Us One and The Last of Us Two. So we're, we're going to be reviewing episode two tomorrow. Um, that will be probably dropping in two days. So Wednesday, the 25th. 
uh, yep. weather permitting. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback on that as well. If you're watching that show and if you're not watching that show, I recommend it. If you're into uh, apocalyptic horror. Indeed. And uh, also a uh, podcast that me, Mike and co-host Eric of the dark discussion podcast do, which is called cinema a la carte. And that exactly explains what that is, which is, uh, basically a podcast of various other cinema that don't necessarily fall into uh, Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews or uh, Dark Discussions Podcast. Uh, basically, uh, general films where each of the co-hosts choose a film for uh, each topic. So we've done uh, thrillers. We've done animation Disney film once with uh, in- Inside uh, – oh, no, what the hell was it called? Uh I can't even remember the name of the film. Uh but and we've done we've done dramas, we've done uh thrillers, westerns, so action films, so yeah, all sorts of stuff uh that don't necessarily fall under the umbrella of uh Dark Discussions podcast or Hollywood Boutique Psychotronic Reviews podcast. All right, so that's pretty much the house cleaning. Uh once again, dark discussions at AOL.com to email us or contact us on the www.darkdiscussions.com menu uh on that website. Uh both ways you can email email us here. Uh so let's give our final thoughts on this film. So Barrett, why don't you start? Yeah, I really enjoyed the film for what it is. Um a very good action adventure movie. Um it's a lot of fun, and it kept me engaged the whole time, which is saying something for a three-hour-something-minute movie. Um, and, you know, the story, while it's got some issues, I can look past those just to enjoy the movie. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, yeah, it was a really good uh, film. Uh, it's a spectacle film like Star Wars and, and Planet of the Apes and all these other big uh films summer type films even though this is, came out uh during christmas um i took my two young daughters to it so this will probably if if everything goes correctly as i'm sure disney and cameron hope uh this will be the type of film that they will uh remember like uh three of us remember say star wars or, or jurassic park or whatever um i i enjoyed it a, a whole lot uh, obviously it has its flaws. We, we discussed it, but it also has a lot of things that it's is saying too, which we also discussed. Um, it was real fun. Uh, I had, I was able to, uh, you know, let go of any issues that I had and none of those issues really pissed me off like issues in many other films that we review on, on these podcasts. So, uh, all in all, uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, or, or great if you prefer, uh, Mike. Well, you know, they say a spoonful of sugar helps medicine go down, and Cameron knows how to ladle on a lot of sugar to cover up some of his uh, his, his flaws. Um, look, it's a fun film. I also watched the original Avatar back in September. I felt that flowed better. I felt the time a little bit more this time because I thought there were some parts that were a little bit more laggy, um, and part of it was the plot inconsistency. Uh, but um, yeah, overall, I still think it's a fun film. It's it's enjoyable. I just think it's um, a step down from the first. Uh, and if you have problems with – if you're one of those people that just doesn't get over the script problems of the first, then you're probably not going to get over the script problems here. If you can, then you can. Just acknowledging they exist is not saying you don't enjoy the film because God knows uh, I think we spent – when we did 
Godzilla vs. Kong, we ripped into the horrible script that was that there for that film. But I still enjoyed it because monkey punch lizard, lizard punch monkey. And that was enough for me. And here you have some really awesome creature effects and 3D and action and some decent you know, character moments that I'm hoping they kind of really pay off in the upcoming films. So, yeah, I liked it. I, I It's not the best film of the year, but it was still fun. Uh, yeah, for me, I, I would concur. I, I thought I liked the first one a little better, too. What about you, Barrett? Which one did you like better? Uh, for conciseness, yeah, I, I like the first one better, but I thought there, yeah, it's a hard call on the action. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say the first one's probably better, but not sure. by a huge amount. Cause I think they both have the same inconsistencies in many ways. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and even though, uh, like Mike said, he had a lot of flaws with Kong versus Godzilla. I hated that film, but you know, he, he thought it was fun. He enjoyed it because it was fun for him, even if it was Lizard Punk bad... Monkey. Monkey. Right. And, and and Barrett, the same thing with Jurassic World Dominion. I thought that film was horrible. And uh, he enjoyed it because of dinosaurs eat people. So there's, there's, Exactly. Yeah. 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 So you, As you can they still... should. And so, yeah, so you can still like films. But again, this film, this film is a, a big step up from either of those two films, for sure. But the point is taken, which is you can still enjoy a film, even if... Even if there's some crap storytelling, like yeah. for Jurassic World Dominion, I, you know, I know there were issues with the film. I enjoyed it, but it's hard to review a show when everybody else is shitting on it. <laughs> so that's just one of those things, you know, it's just difficult. Oh, you could do it. Oh, I've done it. So I know I can do it. It's yeah. just not as fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same, same here. I've, I've shit on on that asparagus film. That film is fucking terrible, and and I was the only person that hated it. Like hated that film. Well, because the only thing you were, you were hating on it because she didn't have two cell phones and she ate, and she snapped her asparagus. And, didn't snap <laughs> and, her asparagus. and she could shoot a crossbow fifty yards and and, and actually hit someone. And she never used a crossbow yards. in her life. So <laughs> I, it was a terrible movie. Stupid. Anyway, that's just a, my personal opinion. Um, so, uh, all right. So, uh, once again, this is uh, Avatar, The Way of Water, uh, still at theaters today, uh, this past weekend. Uh, that just occurred since we've recorded this. It was uh, the, the top grossing film once again, past the two billion mark already. Uh, it's a huge blockbuster success. As Mike always says, never uh, bet against James Cameron. Um, and people are, are seeing it. There are people are returning to see it. It may not be talked about a lot or have memes in, in at least the audience of folk that we talk to on social media and, and in genre uh, groups. But someone's watching it and someone likes it. So it's uh, doing really well. Uh, and there is a third one already coming out uh, or set to come out in a, within the next year and a half or so or maybe even two years uh, if it's – they, they continue their december releases uh but uh all in all uh uh check it out if uh you are listening to this on january of 2023 because it's still at theaters and i'm sure it will always be vod or disc available uh at any other point uh because of uh it's a fox or i should say a 20th century slash um disney product uh, so, with all that stated, uh, Barrett, why don't you leave us out? Thanks again for joining us on Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Join us again next time when we have something completely different.